From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. TGIF, seven minutes past the hour, jam-packed Friday, and here we go, let's begin it. Uh, We're going to split the next hour. Rick Santoro will be with us for the first half. Citizen Seth Grossman for the second half. They have a big event. Uh, It's a big, big part of what makes um, liberty and prosperity possible is the uh, big annual fundraiser that they do. They, of course, you have to raise funds all throughout the year. uh, But this is a big focus and uh, we're going to help give them a push. Senator Michael Testa, looking forward to that in the 8 o'clock hour. And then we'll call it open forum, sort of, kind of, official mental health break as well. But we, we, won't, um, we won't put any limits on it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And I promise we'll get there. We'll be there before you know it. Some interesting statistics, uh, polling data that's out. Not surprised at the first thing I'm going to share with you, and I'm a little surprised at the second. We'll do the second after the first break. But a poll was just released that shows that at the one-year point of the Russia-Ukraine war, and, and really, I mean, we're in this thing. We're in a proxy war against China, Russia. I mean, we're in this thing. And United States support... 50% say that they support it for as long as it takes. 46% of Americans say they support it, but for a limited time only. That's not great. But I guess it is in keeping with our divided country. I think the the odd thing about this, though, is that 46% for a limited time only is probably more equally divided between Republicans and Democrats than anything that probably has been polled since 2001. I probably would have to give that a little more thought to make that as a definitive statement, but it feels right and it sounds right. So you're going to see a lot of coverage today. Today marks the one year of the war, Russia versus Ukraine. There are concerns that Russia is going to launch a barrage of what's being called revenge missiles. So you could you could see a very uh, unfortunate bloody day. After the bottom of the hour, at the bottom of the hour, I will share with you three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. And I just finished one about an hour ago that... I'm so happy with. And I'll tease it a little bit, but it's up there now. If you want to take a look, you can go to the app. You can uh, the app might be down. Um, If you were with us yesterday, I I guess catastrophic would be the right uh, word with catastrophic failure that affected the Internet, uh, the phone system, other computer functions. We were very fortunate that it had no bearing on the transmission quality of the program, but limited 
because I know a lot of people listen on the app or from a computer at WPGTalkRadio.com. And I believe that's still not available. But let me check my own. But I think I think it's not available. I was told that. Yeah. I won't even, OK, it did open. I couldn't even get it to open. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not doing it. Hold on. Nope. The listen live is down. Let me just see the podcast for a second. Oh, yesterday's podcast did load. No, it didn't. Yesterday's is Wednesday's. See, when it goes down, it doesn't. It doesn't upload the podcast either. So. And yesterday was really special. Oh, we had Tom Cantone. We had Gianni Russo. We had all kinds of great things. John Zarek in his last, almost last hour in Poland because he was getting on a plane. He was at the airport when we did the um, the interview. Yeah, the, the app isn't. Oh, hold on a second. Let me see. Nope. A word. Oh, good. It's back. Good. The app is back. Uh, and the um, the stream is back. Good, good, good. That's a bonus. Because when I last talked to our chief engineer, every function was working except the uh, the app and the digital stream. That's all back. Good news. All right. So um, be guided accordingly. Some people listen on the radio. Then when they get in the car, they, they, you know, they either bring it with them with the app and play it through their sound system or – Use 95.5 or 1450 AM. This was interesting. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, boy, I'll tell you, this guy, I'm serious about this. This guy is cartoonish. He seemed like, yeah, hold on a second. A friend is texting me. Yeah, I caught it. I'm going to get texted now because the you could see if you heard it, even that, I called out, I caught it. Somebody's texting me, and they're writing me because there's latency. I'm going to get barrage now. Oh, my God. I should have checked it. I should have checked it before. You'll catch up. Oh, my God. Do do you you see? This is my life. All right. I got to turn this thing off. Jesus. All right. Um. It's still going, but it's now silented. If I, I'm telling you, if I say one thing, I'm not complaining, but it's, oh, it's just, it's hard to verbalize. So anyhow, Pete Buttigieg to me is like a cartoon character. He, look at this guy. I don't want to make fun of him, per, you know, like appearance wise or anything, but he's like Alfred E. Newman. And I mean that because he's unserious. God, his body language is also terrible. So he meanders in to East Palestine. I don't often go for this kind of thing, but I think it was deserved. The mayor, Trent Conaway, kept Judge waiting in a hallway, not even like sitting down somewhere comfortable, waiting in a hallway for 30 minutes, not only for 30 minutes, but while he met with Rudy Giuliani. So even Giuliani beat 
Buttigieg to East Palestine. So then some intrepid reporter was saying to to Buttigieg, you know, why did it take you almost three weeks? Because it was one day short of three weeks. Why did it take you almost three weeks, you know, to come here? And I'll tell you what this Buttigieg, and it's really in keeping with this whole Biden uh, cabal. This female staffer said, yeah, yeah, I will talk with you, but you have to turn your camera off. I don't want to talk to you on camera. I'm sick of these people. What are they afraid of? And they think they can manage everything. So Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg waited an exhausting 20 days to visit the wreckage, to meet with the town folk. I mean, after all, they just had a train derailment and toxic fallout. You know, why should why should he go? And then he tried to explain why he didn't come. But then acknowledged that he should have. Just awful. Then I saw some people trying to spin it, you know, that he's taking the fall for Biden. Well, hey, Biden's been terrible, too. But this guy is the secretary of transportation. You know, you pick anybody. You think uh, Chris Christie would have waited if he was the secretary of transportation. You think he would have waited 20 days. He showed what he can do during a disaster with Superstorm Sandy. The blue fleece, the whole thing. Jeff Andrew, if he was the secretary of transportation, would have been there the first day. I don't know that he wouldn't have been sucking the water through a straw on day one, but he would have been showing great compassion, concern, mobilizing a federal response. You know, I don't want you to forget FEMA actually rejected their request, said it was too big. Well, when something's too big, where do you turn? If not you, where? Who? I mean, that was when I reported that first to you, I couldn't believe what I was saying. So good. They kept Buttigieg waiting, his body language, everything about him. Then then he said he lost his train of thought. Oh, train of thought, train, train. He's haunted by trains. But Biden and FEMA said they would not send federal aid to East Palestine under any circumstance. How how do you say that? Now, of course, they did. You know, when the American people see what we are spending elsewhere, here, there, everywhere, on woke crap, around the world, all kinds of stuff. I mean, come on. Oh, good. Very nice comment from someone who totally agrees with my article that I wrote about Mike Trout. Thank you. I like that. I want you to read it. You don't have to agree because there may be disagreement. I'll I'll tease it in about 12 minutes. But this article that I wrote about Trout, understand I wrote it from the position of being a Trout fan. I have tremendous respect. If you remember, I wrote a definitive article that he is this era's Mickey Mantle. I've often commented that he just always says and does the right thing. Never in any trouble. You know, just a really 
good guy and a great superstar. I found the I didn't look for it. My brother will back me up on this. It came to me last night that I had to write this article. Because, and I didn't go searching for it. You know, if you the old rule, if you agree with somebody 99% of the time, don't go look for the 1%. But I found one thing that I disagree. And when you read it, you either won't care a lick, you will potentially agree with me, or I could see people disagreeing with me. And I have no problem with that. Alan the Dersh Dershowitz uh, once again thinks like early in the morning because a day after I said what I said about this Georgia four woman and this whole Georgia jury is an absolute scam. I said it from the beginning. Dershowitz needed this woman to come out and, and say all this stuff. I knew it while it was going on. It was easy to see that this whole thing is a get Trump scam. We'll talk about that as well. So I think that's all on Buddha Judge because really he's such a lightweight. He's a clown. He's unserious. He doesn't deserve uh, any more time on the program. But he finally went to East Palestine and probably one of the most awkward governmental appearances in American history. He was unwelcome. They made him and he is uncomfortable. They made him uncomfortable. They kept him waiting. Everything that you would expect. Back in a moment. Don't go away. It's early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 South Jersey's number one news talk radio station all because of you. Fox News commentary. One of the random jury members selected to help Georgia prosecutors investigate Trump has gone public and it's cringeworthy. I'm Tommy Lahren. More next. Democrats just want to win the next election, and they're trying to do it with ceaseless money printing. They do not care if the value of your retirement is sacrificed. Hi, Stephen K. Bannon. It is critical to protect your retirement right now with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. To learn more, get a free info kit on gold IRAs by texting the word SHELTER to 989898. There's nothing to buy and no obligation at all. Text the word SHELTER to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. The Fulton County District Attorney has been working to find something, anything to use to indict and prosecute our former president for trying to overturn the 2020 election. And she's had the help of grand jury foreman Emily Coors. Now, in this rare and completely inappropriate press tour, she can be seen and heard salivating over the possibility of ruining Donald Trump. Thus far, she's done interviews with The New York Times, NBC News, The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and CNN. Emily Coors is a 30-year-old woman who describes herself as between customer service jobs. She didn't vote in the 2020 presidential election. And while there are a few intellectual qualifications to serve on a grand jury, I'm pretty sure you have to be impartial and this woman is anything but. And legal minds and mainstream media hacks wonder why conservatives feel there is a two-tier justice system rigged and stacked against us. Well, crap like this doesn't convince us otherwise. I'm Tommy Lahren. Sean Hannity, this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks for waking up early in the morning and uh, let's make it a great Friday together. All right, so the Georgia Grand Jury forewoman that we just summarily trashed, but good yesterday. And and listen, uh, she had it coming. Her participation in the public square 
considering the position that she held and that it's this unique thing where it's not like the grand jury has already indicted and the whole thing's already over and somebody wants to go write a book or start talking about it after there has been fair justice. This is before criminal charges have even been brought forward. This Georgia special grand jury has no power to charge merely power to interview witnesses under oath and recommend charges. So this person conducting this media blitzkrieg tour was disgusting and disgraceful. And it really did such a disservice. But at the same time, it's a gift because it it, it completely up without this. You just have to take certain people's word like mine and other people that follow this stuff because you have no way to actually prove it. Because they can say, oh, no, we just did our job really impartially, very, very well. Well, this giddy woman that was just so excited over the fact, you know, that President Trump should be charged. uh, Alan Dershowitz said it exposed the partisan horrors, quote, at play, quote, If the television interviews would not have taken place, we would not know how bad this was, Dershowitz said yesterday. I knew how bad it was, so I don't know how he didn't. Dershowitz, quote, who has said he is a liberal Democrat who will eagerly vote against Donald Trump for a third time in 2024, said Trump will be exonerated on appeal if Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney Fannie Willis moves to indict former President Donald Trump. Quote, the big issue is whether or not a person can be indicted for having said to the Secretary of State, quote, find 11,780 votes, end quote, find, end quote. Quote, no court of appeals No appellate court would ever uphold a conviction based on that. Quote, find has a meaning. Look in the dictionary. It means something's been lost and you have to find it. It doesn't mean something's been invented or created. So you understand where Trump is concerned, these Democrats want to take him down. So everything is always in the worst possible light. He is never given the benefit of the doubt. Hunter Biden is a criminal that hasn't been charged. Look at his laptop. Look at it all. The reason I can say that with impunity is because the gun that was dumped, the lying on the federal firearms application and numerous other things that are in this laptop, including the drug use. And and look at this art crap. Hey, I do have good news on that front. I I don't have time to get into it right now, but Republicans are going to do everything they can to release all of the names of the buyers of the Hunter Biden artwork. Because don't forget, the Biden administration, Corrine Jean-Pierre said it and they've repeated it and said it again and again. They believe the greatest form of transparency is to hide, to keep anonymous the buyers. This is how sick these people are. In what twisted world is that transparent? Not telling you is transparent. They're sick. They're they're absolutely demented.
Quote, so the idea of going after a president based on an off-the-cuff statement, find me 11,780 votes, cannot possibly be the basis for a criminal prosecution in any justice system. So it goes on and it goes on, it goes on. But the Dersh basically says uh, this is Democrats that are just trying to get President Trump. We talk about it all the time. I have said that President Trump is going to be under investigation and in courtrooms for the rest of his life. I'll prove it even more still when we come back right after this. More of the Hurley in the Morning program continues. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. Harry Hurley, right before 31 minutes past the hour, three stories you can follow on the app. The Millville Meteor, Mike Trout, Major League Baseball great, future Hall of Famer, should improve his autograph. I make the case. Please write me back. Say I agree or I disagree. Local daily Atlantic City newspaper will soon print only three issues per week. I guess my prediction there is coming true. And Atlantic City, New Jersey siblings dine in the Sopranos.com. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. For the fourth week in a row, we've got a cold front and tumbling temperatures taking us into the weekend. We're going to see the thermometer drop from the 40s and 50s this morning to around 42 by sunset. Gusty wind to 40 miles an hour. Clouds then sun probably dry today. It's going to get cold tonight. Low 23. The wind lightens up. Mostly cloudy. Chance of snow showers tomorrow. High 34. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. If you have a damp early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is 37 minutes past the hour. All right, this was the poll that I was telling you that it's, um, I don't know really what to call it. Am I absolutely, is it, I guess it's a shock poll. And and I'll give you my um, Cracker Jack analysis why I say that. Rasmussen Reports is consistently one of the most accurate polls that you will find anywhere. They have no axe to grind. They don't favor anyone. They typically poll likely voters no matter what time of year it is, not just at the end. Because I don't like the way these polling outfits uh, create a false impression by polling unlikely voters and in many cases, not even voters. And then they tell you who would win, who would do that except on purpose. And, you know, for 30 years plus, I've been crying, screaming out for polling reform because it's terrible. And I, I'll tell you, I take I take great pride. I, I almost take single source I can't say single source because I think that Senator Michael Testa was also very influential. But there are certain times where we're just happy that something happens and we don't even comment on what we did to help nudge it along. I went after that Stockton Polling Institute like it was my full time job. And I love Harvey Kesselman. But that Stockton Polling Institute was stanky garbage. It was so bad. There was one time with Lobiondo where he was leading Bill Hughes. And I like Bill Hughes a lot. He's a, he's a good friend. But it had him up by like a couple of points. And Lobiondo won by like 35 or something. 
It's it, it just the, the poll was a was a crime wave. Palestina was supposedly trailing. Testa was trailing. I mean, but but they never get it wrong for Republicans. It's always wrong in the favor of Democrats. So thank God Harvey Kesselman's a good man and he bagged his own poll because it was it was awful. Just terrible. Rasmussen reports is an outstanding poll. So check this out because this does this surprises me to the shock level. It was released yesterday. Now this some of it I'm not totally surprised about, but this is this is a temporary boost especially while there's only three people and I like Vivek Ramaswamy but he's not going to be president and he's not going to be the Republican nominee. So right now you have a serious candidates in my estimation Trump and Nikki Haley and I don't think Nikki Haley is that competitive. But this survey says differently. The poll that was released yesterday showed that 45% of likely voters would select Nikki Haley and 41% would select Joe Biden. I mean, that's, let me tell you something. If you live your life and you achieve a ranking, I don't care what early point it is, that you would beat the sitting president of the United States that was eight years vice president, two years president, 50 years in the spotlight, national spotlight, and you're leading him, that is pretty darn good. And I'm surprised about that. Not shocked, but surprised. However, among Republicans, Haley trails President Trump 52% to 28%. This is where I'm also shocked. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who hasn't, in fairness, hasn't entered the race, but everybody knows he's going to run. But I think his numbers will improve when he's actually a declared candidate. But if you've been following my coverage first, the Georgia legislature has to change their law so that DeSantis, I'm sorry, Florida, I have Georgia on my, on my mind. Um, sounds like a song. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis can't enter the race until the Florida legislature changes the law because the law in Florida is if he were to to declare for president, he has to resign as governor. And that doesn't have to happen with both houses in control of Republicans. Uh, They need to do that or. If he wants to run for president, if they say you never know, say say they say no, we're not sorry, Governor, we're not changing it for you. Uh, then he has a hell of a decision to make. But even though he's not declared, I am surprised that Nikki Haley, fifty two percent Trump, twenty eight percent Haley, twenty four percent DeSantis. Let me give you. I went into the tabulars of this because I wanted to find out what do voters think of Nikki Haley. Because she's gotten a lot of coverage, a lot of criticism by the Democrats. 47% view her favorably. 17% of those say very favorable opinion of her. 37% view her unfavorably, 
with 17% having a, quote, very unfavorable impression. 55% of Republicans, 41% of Democrats, and 44% of unaffiliated voters have at least a somewhat favorable impression. It's pretty good because you add up somewhat favorable with favorable and very favorable, and she's probably got a very good number. 45% of Democrats, 29% of Republicans, and 37% of unaffiliated voters have an unfavorable impression of Haley. So that's interesting because other than you really want Trump to be the nominee, if that's your position, and it is mine, why would you have an unfavorable impression of Haley? Now, I guess it could be because Trump gave her the ambassador position. She said she wouldn't run for president if Trump ran and then she changed her mind. So that could be the reason. But that's a lot of Republicans. See, I don't like that she did that, but I don't have an unfavorable impression. She was a great governor of South Carolina and she was an outstanding, fierce U.N. ambassador. I I think highly of Nikki Haley. I think it's unprincipled that she went back on her word but and here's one that I'll leave men and women to decide for themselves. I'm not going to uh, opine, editorialize about it, except to share with you that in the tabulars, this one jumped out at me, more men, 57 percent than women, 39 percent have a favorable impression. So I have no comment about that. Women have to figure that one out for themselves why they're only 39% of women have a favorable impression. I want to say something, but I'm not going to say it. Haley would get 51% of the votes from men in a matchup with Biden and 40% of the votes from women. Younger voters and voters of color had a more favorable impression of Haley against Biden, with the poll showing that voters under 40 have a somewhat more favorable impression with 52 percent. And then voters ages 40 to 64, it goes down a little to 50 percent. And then uh, voters 65 and older, uh, I couldn't pull that number. I couldn't find it, but I guess it went down. But that's just a hunch. Race also played a factor. 56% of white voters, 47% of black voters, and 58% of other minorities had a somewhat favorable impression of Nikki Haley. White voters by 48% to 41% would pick Haley over Biden. Other minorities, 44% to 37% would pick Haley. And get a load of this one. They're going to have to really work hard to make Nikki Haley a racist in a hurry. Uh, Black voters would pick Biden by 50 percent to 33 percent. Remember, I've said this to you many, many times. Any Republican who can get 20 to 25 percent of the African-American vote cannot lose in a general election. You cannot lose. So there you have it. That's pretty interesting. And I don't know if you agree with me. But a lot of it fairly shocking. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app.
when you need to know. It's WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you. Welcome back. It's early in the morning. Uh, many thanks to guest listener Susan. Hope you got my email back. Maybe you um, haven't seen it yet, but at 623, I wrote you back following uh, receipt of your very nice email. So I just want to send a shout out to Susan, who's listening on the uh, on the app. All right, so we said earlier, and I've said it many times, that Trump is going to be under investigation, in courtrooms, being subpoenaed, and it's going to be for the rest of his life. And I said that many, many years ago, and so far I've been correct. So you have this U.S. District Judge, Amy Berman Jackson. You don't even have to look her up. You know some cat named Obama is involved in this, and he is. He renominated her. I think it was back in 2011 because you get a term, then you have to be renominated and confirmed one more time, and then it's life. Uh, so this is um, very, very regretful because I, I look at this particular judge as just a Democrat partisan consultant in a robe. So the what a shocker. A, quote, a federal judge on Thursday, meaning yesterday, ordered the deposition of former President Donald Trump in a lawsuit brought by two former FBI employees who are seeking redress for what they say is unfair retaliation against them for having investigated alleged ties between Trump's 2016 presidential campaign and Russia. Are you kidding me? This is what I mean by this crap. How can these two disgraced people, how can a president be ordered to give his deposition? How can something like this, and by the way, this Amy Berman Jackson also decided that FBI Director Christopher Wray must also sit for a deposition. You know, you I, I really mean this when I say it. And I, I can't say I coined the phrase, but I certainly have made it very famous. And that is that we're living in bizarro world. And I now hear other people say it. And I know they're saying it because they've heard me say it. Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, if bizarro world is truly, think about it, Peter Strzok is like a, a commentator on some Democrat rag channel. Uh, the other guy that, that, that they fired, um, he was acting FBI director for a minute. Uh, McCabe, he's a, he's a commentator. I mean, you've got to be kidding me with these people. This is how bad it is. So in Bizarro World... You cannot be surprised if one day they actually recover some kind of financial remuneration, which is just absolutely unimaginable in any world that we've ever lived in until it became bizarro world. Now, Biden, of course, he'll be able to invoke uh, executive privilege. No problem for him ever. Just awful. Just incredible, actually. And here's another one that fits beautifully in Bizarro World. Speaker Kevin McCarthy is under fire because he gave, and it was a lot, 41 segments of 41,000 hours of surveillance footage. McCarthy 
gave to Tucker Carlson of Fox News. And you can imagine how much work they have to do. So this footage is going to be seen. Uh, I'll tell you what. Here's what I believe. I believe that Tucker Carlson is going to get one of the biggest rating bumps that you could ever get in a program. Because there are I've, I know this from friends of mine. In high places. There are thousands of hours of video footage that would exonerate so many people, including President Trump, who doesn't really need to be exonerated because he did nothing wrong. He said, if you're going to the Capitol, you know, to do so peacefully. So he didn't do anything except Democrats put a partisan witch hunt together to try to get him. And then they only they sliced and they diced and they hired real movie executives to create a movie. And Nancy Pelosi created a movie with her daughter. Uh, I think it was Alexandra Pelosi. Like, how, how do you have that going on on January 6th? Some of the video that you're going to see will be Capitol Police opening doors and inviting people in. Now, that really is going to damage the whole narrative that it's an insurrection and, and all this. Look, the stuff they show is terrible. Scaling the wall, you know, aggressively knocking things, you know, uh, fire extinguishers into doors and breaking windows and, you know, going through and rummaging in people's desks, you know, and the, the guy with the horns, you know, uh, all over the place. The Viking cap, you know, the furry, the furry vest. None of that. I haven't defended the indefensible, but I'm telling you right now, there are people that have been in jail that have had no rights. It's so against our Constitution. And they have been held in very harsh. In a very harsh manner. I've been begging for these hours of footage to be released forever. What what was in it to not release this? And you know the answer. Democrats wanted a certain narrative and everything played to that narrative that Trump caused the insurrection that the insurrection, they that, remember, they celebrated the anniversary of the insurrection. They're trying to make it like, you know, they never want to talk about September 11, 2001. But the celebration of January 6th, they all get together on the steps. Oh, these frauds, these fakes, these liars. They're absolutely terrible. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to take Democrats getting kicked out of power. But there's a lot of people that have to be pardoned and they have and and I, I say this, they have to be paid because they've had their lives destroyed. By these political Democrat criminals. And I'm not saying there aren't some that cross the line. And they should they should receive, you know, what what will come their way and some have. But this narrative, I've known from the beginning that this narrative is a lie. It's overstated, overblamed, the wrong people blamed. 
You know what I want? I want hearings on why Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of D.C. is her name Bowers, I think. Why did they turn down all of the assistance that President Trump ordered? Don't forget, that was in the day of defund the police. That was in the day when Democrats, you know, created their little cottage industry of not wanting the police. However, when people like Maxine Waters would would fly into Chicago, she would secret squirrel while trashing the police publicly. She would call for her own personal protection detail. Rick Santoro. I'm just kidding, but he could do it. Rick will be with us right after the news break. Pretty good little segue there. Uh, Fun first hour. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. And um, when we come back, Rick Santoro, uh, a Sopranos theme. It's a really cool article that because of Rick, I had the opportunity to write. And also because of my great FFL friend for life, my pal Tom Cantone, because he had the Sopranos uh, in that epic event that he put together back in 2013. So it was a really great story. I hope you'll read it. And we're going to talk about it next. Then Citizen Seth Grossman, it's the same time next year appointment. We're going to help promote their fundraising event, Trevor Loudon, and all of that that's coming up. New Jersey Senator Michael Testa at 8. Dom P. Hurley, a late scratch. We were going to have a mental health break hour, but he had to cancel. He'll be back next week, but it will be open forum, and I'm really looking forward to that with you. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Oh, this was so very kind. A gentlelady listener sent me an email and she said, do you know that you have been on air for, let me get this straight, 11,195 days. Now, what is cool about that, if you divide that, you know, it's 31 years, um, July 1st, 1992. But the thing that I'm so proud about it is that I'm actually at the same place that I started on that day. And that in this business is very rare, very, very rare. So thank you for that very kind email. It meant a lot to me. On our Hurley in the Morning Newsmaker Hotline is a longtime friend, a security expert, uh, great pedigree in the um, hotel casino industry here and in Las Vegas, does a great job. Uh, in the city of Atlantic City uh, as well for the state of New Jersey. And I had the opportunity because of Rick Santoro to write an article that I had a blast writing because I could bring Tom Cantone into it. And it, it, it is in a stretch. He had the Sopranos and he was the last one that could bring the Sopranos together because obviously James Gandolfini died. Suddenly he was in Rome, Italy. And he died, uh, and, and I always will remember, he died on my birthday, June 19th, 
uh, I, I won't always remember the year, but because, you know, I wrote this piece just yesterday, uh, I know that it was um, June 19th, 2013. Well, in March, 91 days earlier, Tom had the entire cast, all of them, Edie Falco, Lorraine Bracco, Jamie Lynn Sigler, James Gandolfini, Michael Imperioli. I don't remember Paulie Walnut's name, but he was there. They all were there. Sirica, all of them. And they've never done it again. And they can never do it, all of them again, with Gandolfini gone. So then, circa now, 2023, Rick Santoro and his sister. And Rick, I don't have the article in front of me. Forgive me, but I believe your sister is Diane. You're at the ice cream parlor in the very booth where the final scene from The Sopranos was filmed. And what what many, myself included, believe is, to put it kindly, ambiguous ending, sort of bizarre ending. It left a lot of people wanting, but, uh, you know, the genius of David Chase, I'm not going to um, question it too deeply. I watched it and I thought, oh, I wanted more. And, you know, look, ending a series is very hard. Seinfeld blew it. That goofy stuff, they're all in the jail cell. That was just dumb stuff. Uh, It's very hard to end greatness great. I don't know why, but it is. Joining us now is Rick Santoro. So, Rick, tell me, and I got to get there someday, what was the experience like? Could you you feel the history of it? Oh, yeah, Harry. Good morning, and good morning, listeners. It was absolutely the coolest. You know, that... Um, the ice cream parlor, Holston's ice cream, is just frozen in time. It, it looks exactly the way. And it, it has a history going back to 1937, and it's several different families have owned it. But it looks like something right out of the 50s. And when you look, walk in there, you absolutely feel it. And, you know, it was uh, almost an accidental thing. My, my sister and I, you know, I, can, I had business to conduct outside of New York City in Edgewater. And on my way back, I, you know, when I'm up that way, I, I meet with my sister in random places. So she picked a restaurant close by, and we happen to be two doors down from Holston. So walking in there, it's, it's amazing. On, on the left-hand side, there are stools that you can uh, – where the, they would make fresh homemade ice cream for you. They still do. They can serve you Sundays and all that. On the right is very long counters that has uh, homemade candy and traditional candy on the right. But when you go in the back, there's, you know, maybe it's not big, maybe about 10 booths. And one booth is different and very different because it's the only booth that has a jukebox in it. Um, similar to the, the kind of ju- little jukeboxes you could see in Tony's Baltimore Grill. Yes. The tabletop jukebox. So so that booth and in that booth was where the final scene was was filmed, where um, uh, Tony uh, had first walked in and he's waiting for his family. And, and there's uh, music playing there. Uh, Don't Stop Believing was the song that was played. There's a story behind that. But being in the restaurant and the booth, it was really, really cool. And going this time of year. Is, uh, was really easy to get in, see it, sit down. There was only several people there. But in the summertime, there was a line to get into this ice cream parlor. And this ice cream parlor was fantastic and a go-to place way before The Sopranos was filmed there. But it was the coolest thing. So in, in the 
in the ice cream parlor around the walls, they have photographs of when the scene was filmed there. And, um, you know, you could, you could get a bite to eat there uh, um, and also order exactly what they ordered in the episode, which was cool. You know, they, they started, I believe, with some onion rings. <laughs> but uh, North Jersey and es- Essex County, Bergen County, um, there are numerous, numerous locations where The Sopranos was filmed. Um, and, you know, if you do a little bit of research, and it's pretty easy to do, some of these and many of these locations are real, you know, still exist and are real businesses. Maybe they change the name or others, and others are fictional. So, you know, that, uh, Holson's Ice Cream, I highly recommend it. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a salesman for them, but you really, if you want to uh, venture to go to North Jersey and eat some of the most unhealthy food <laughs> on the planet that is offered up there, you know, and, and do a, a tour around. There's so many scenes and things you could do. Um, you can uh, visit many, many. I'll give you another one that, that would be a cool one. And, and of course, um, the current owners may or may not welcome you there, but in addition to Holson's Ice Cream, which is in Bloomfield on, on uh, 1063 Broad Street, Bloomfield, still a functional commercial business. You can go in and sit, sit in the booth and experience that. But there's the Soprano House um, in North Caldwell, 14 Aspen Drive. Now, interesting about this house, there was uh, at least 17 episodes were filmed there but they only used the exterior of the house for filming. All the interior shots were filmed in a soundstage. So, you know, when you thought you were, you know, looking inside the house, it doesn't look like that at all. But, you know, these are the films of some of the scenes that were were pretty cool with Tony Soprano parading outside in his bathrobe, (laughs) coming to get the paper, all kinds of uh, Carmela, Meadow, Chris, Janice, all there engaging and in the driveway. Um, it was listed for sale uh, $3.7 million, I believe, in 2019. I don't know if it sold or who bought it, and I don't know how you know appreciative the owners are of people that are you know stalk the house and sit outside to take pictures, but it's exactly the way it looked in the series, which is really, you know, is really, really cool. Um, there's also, there's also a a website, a really good website that, you know, you still have to do a little research, but if you just go on sopranoslocations.com, uh, it's one way that, that I found some locations and they list the scenes, they list locations, they list scenes. And you can click on to see if it's, is it a real, um, is it a real business? Some of them are real actual businesses that are still there. And some are locations that were made to look like uh, what was depicted in the movie, but they may have a complete, in the series, but they may have a completely different purpose. Let me jump in. We're going to take our break because I want to do one more segment with Rick. Then coming up right after the bottom of the hour break, we're going to help give a push to the uh, fast-approaching, it's tomorrow, the Liberty and Prosperity annual fundraising event with uh, featured guest speaker Trevor Loudon. Citizen Seth Grossman will be our guest in the next half 
of the program and then looking forward to the arrival of New Jersey Senator Michael Testa. We're going to have a great hour. Don Hurley was a late scratch. Uh, not when I say late, I mean this morning at like four or five o'clock in the morning. Late scratch. Uh, we're going to have wide open forum and we'll catch up with another uh, official mental health break music memories and fun hour with Don next week. So a jam-packed TGIF continues. Uh, and I'm very pleased to tell you that this portion of Hurley in the Morning brought to us by some really great people, owner Brian and the entire team. It's Harry Hurley for Perfect Basement. We've been seeing the damage that storms can cause if rain leads to water in your basement or crawl space. Reach out to Perfect Basement for a completely free, no-pressure inspection for waterproofing, mold remediation, and foundation repair. Perfect Basement is family-owned, based right here in South Jersey, licensed and certified, and accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Ask about fall discounts and winter discounts and and summer discounts and the special services that they have for Realtors. Visit PerfectBasement.com. Easiest way to get them on the website, PerfectBasement.com. Tell Brian that Harry Hurley sent you. Back with Rick in just a moment. Rick Santoro, our guest. If you're just joining the program, Rick and his sister actually dined at the ice cream parlor in the actual booth where Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini, and his family closed out, which in its day... And I think The Sopranos, it's in the article, ended in 2007 in first run. First um, run ended after something like 86 or 96 episodes. And it ended right in that ice cream parlor at that booth where Rick and his sister uh, dined. Very cool story. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. Your morning espresso starts right here. It's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. In the Daily Mail today, they had an article about this jury uh, four-person, Emily Kors. Who knows, maybe she cast an indictment spell over the entire Georgia grand jury. I have no idea because what they're reporting is the introduction to uh, on her page instructions on how to cast a magic spell as it appears in the pinterest page quote casting a circle a way for witches to protect themselves during their magic work one cleanse your space of all negative energy two visualize pure energy and breath i mean this do we do any vetting or is this basically any warm body will do for a grand jury the Sean Hannity Show from coast to coast later today. Hey, this year you can finally get started on that home makeover that you deserve. Now you can upgrade to sleek new window coverings thanks to our friends at Blinds.com. Right now, save up to 40% off site-wide on premium custom window treatments. And if you need help in your selection, well, talk to a Blinds.com professional design expert. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 40% off site-wide, up to 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at three. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you, Sean. Uh, it's like Facebook knew I went to break. As soon as I went to break, I heard an audible tone that I never heard before on, on my Facebook page. And it, um, I don't even think I was on Facebook, but this very musical little medley tone, pleasant tone, uh, jingled out. I look at it, and it's Facebook asking if I will take a brief survey. And the survey basically took me two minutes, maybe not even, and uh, it was pretty fair. And I was fair in my assessment, very fair. You know, they, they knew how long I've been on the page on Facebook uh, and the only thing I did at the end, it offered me the opportunity to make a comment. And I wrote that I'm generally pleased. I'm pleased with my news feed that I do think that they don't allow enough people to see what you, what you write and that it, it appears to favor, you know, and lean to the favor of Democrats and that you could work on that. Uh, and then I ended the survey. Pretty interesting. Uh, if it, if I was on air and, and then I got busy, I don't know, you know, if I would have done that. I just, I had the time during the break and it, it wasn't that long and it, and it, and it worked. So you might get that survey. I don't know how many people they're sending it to. Visiting with Rick Santoro, he had a great visit at the, uh, uh, Halston's ice cream parlor where the final episode of the iconic television series, The Sopranos. I know I wrote it in the article. I should say it now. At its time, I don't know what's happened since to, you know, to replace it because, you know, the economy's a scale. Another decade has gone by. But in 2013, The Sopranos was the most profitable television series in the history of cable television. No surprise. I mean, the writing was amazing. The storylines were fantastic. And it was just terrific, you know, and the fact that, you know, you had the New Jersey angle to it was very, very cool. Gandolfini was great. Edie Falco, they all were great. I mean, it was just a, a great ensemble cast. Uh, and I did want to um, say one thing. I loved your narrative, Rick, in our opening segment together. Uh, I love places that are frozen in time. Your pictures, that, and I urge people, go to the app, go to the website, and check out the article. It's titled something along the line of Atlantic City, New Jersey Siblings, Dine in Booth from the Sopranos final episode. And Rick has great pictures of the storefront. It's got that old-fashioned ice cream parlor look before you, eat, you before you even walk in the door. And then I love that long length of the, um, the, the, the seats that are only the round padded old-fashioned look. Love, I, I want to say like the soda jerk aspect behind uh, the milkshake type deal. I can see it. Close my eyes. I can see the stainless steel heavy cup that makes that freezing cold milkshake and that kind of thing. Saw the candy area that I used to love the old fashioned candy stores. 
uh, everything, the vibe about that place, everything about it, Rick, is very cool. Oh, it's it's totally cool. And so many of the locations and scenes that were chosen for this series are um, they, they were so well done and well selected. I mean, even even the house, the Soprano house that I mentioned, they scouted 150 different houses before they chose that one to use. But I recommend if you're, you know, if you, you want to, if you're a Sopranos fan and if that's something that you really enjoyed, you can look up the locations and see, but search it by episode, location, you can get information about it. And it lists exactly the addresses and everything. If you looked at SopranosLocations.com, and, you know, if, if you were our fans and were a fan of the series, you could take a day to drive through it. It would take many, many days to do it, but you could pick your favorite scenes, pick your favorite characters, and visit those locations. And, of course, while you're up there, you could eat your way through North Jersey, which, again, um, it should be on your cheat day. And many, many cheat days <laughs> where you'll, you'll encounter there. But it is just a, a surreal experience to see it. And, you know, one of the, one of the funny ones I was looking at was the Green Grace Retirement Home. Uh, 15 episodes were filmed there where Pauline was. And it's a real, you know, nursing home. It's called the Green Hill Nursing Home in West Orange. But, you know, maybe at the end of our days, those of us that were great fans, maybe that would be the place that we could, um, you know, uh, spend our last days. And as much as our memory is intact, we can talk about our favorite Sopranos episodes. Oh, and they all were so good. I want to change gears in the two minutes that we have left, Rick. Uh, and I really appreciate this opportunity and the opportunity to write the article because I also was able to to, to feather in – Tom Cantone and what he did that was great. And it just it just was such a fun piece. And I've gotten a lot of nice feedback. And, and of course, it really was only possible because of you with the pictures, you know, make the article and they were fantastic. And so I thank you for all of that. Two Minute Drill. I watch the movie Snake Eyes at least once a year. I think I told you I watched it about a month ago and we had a brief conversation about it. Nicolas Cage plays rick santoro so you know my hurley doctrine i don't believe in coincidences there's no way he's in atlantic city and and rick santoro you that i'm talking to you're a consultant and you you know you're you're there and a very relevant you know uh figure and so he's rick santoro and then i find out through you that nicholas cage is a method actor so i included that in my little mention even in this article how cool is that and I'm just curious, and I don't mean this where it would be egotistical on your part, because you're you're not you're the opposite of that. You're not self-absorbed about any of this stuff. You've done a lot of stuff at a very high level. But uh, do you watch the movie, and do you get a kick out of the fact that he is Rick Santoro, a, an Atlantic City police detective? Well, first of all, Harry, I apologize to you. You must you must be an insomniac to be repeatedly watching Snake Eyes over and over again. <laughs> I, um, but yeah, I do I do get a kick out of it. I don't watch it often, but sometimes we have you know friends or you know friends or acquaintances that that bring it up and we'll watch it. But it was a really cool experience. I didn't know. I mean, it almost got ugly when 
in the beginning because they didn't tell me that Cage was a method actor when he was copying me and moving his mouth like me and hand gestures like me. And, you know, I, it was a little bit of a tipping point where, you know, I, I was felt like I was getting mocked. That he was mocking me and it, you know, it could have got a little bit ugly, including me dropping him. If, <laughs> you know, it was that annoying. I mean, I, you know, they should have told me, I guess they didn't realize that, you know, that may have happened, but, but it is cool to do that. And what was also interesting is they came to my house at the time. They looked at my clothing and my closet. They used my son's name, Michael. And it was amazing. I don't know that I was being recorded, but I did speak to them for several hours at two different meetings. And exact words that came out of my mouth made it into the script. And things that I said, you know, made it into the movie, which was really cool. And it was it was a cool experience to be involved in that. But when he gets to the point where he's a hero, then, of course, there's a little bit of a dark side ending, you know, when it all plays out bad for him because he had done some bad things before doing the good thing. Uh, And it's ironic because if he had done a bad thing at the end, Sinise would be alive and and. and Nicolas Cage, a.k.a. Rick Santoro, would have been a millionaire. But he went, you know, uh, and chose the right door and, and and was honorable. But anyhow, they have the big sign right in Atlantic City, uh, like Hero Welcome or whatever it said, Rick Santoro. That had to be pretty cool to see, yeah. too, didn't it? Yeah, it was really cool. You know, I should have taken it. I think they offered it to me, but I didn't know what I was going to do with a 30-foot-long banner. And, you know, uh, 30 by 15. And a matter of fact, the cables that where the banner hung from is still are still there hanging uh, where Brighton Park is at, at the boardwalk. And, you know, only recently someone was asking about the viability of the cables. They got to me because of my job at CRDA. You know, can we hang a banner up there? I'm like, look, I, you know, it's not my call. I can't give you approval, but you should know that. Those that those cables are sitting there since they filmed the movie Snake Eyes, and that's why they put them up there. So I guess we got we have to run because we we have our next guest in the break. But they, they I think they're keeping them there, Rick, for Snake Eyes two. So you know Santoro ah. returns. I think you know just All what right. a friend of mine told me. That's why I'm just teasing. But uh, Rick, it's awesome. Uh, let's keep in touch. And I enjoyed our talk. Yep. Thank you, Harry, and and, uh, everyone have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, and you have a good weekend. When we come back, Citizen Seth Grossman, we're going to give a push. We pretty much do this every year. I I can't even remember. We've done it for several years at least, uh, right before their big fundraising event, because what they do, I have always believed, is very important, and they deserve to be heard. And in order to get your message out, it's not free. You do get earned media, but... You, you always need uh, more. And so we're going to help push this event. Seth has arrived and he'll be on right after the break. It's early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. New Jersey Senator Michael Testa after Seth and uh, programming change. Atlantic, Atlantic County Executive, I take that back, Atlantic County Prosecutor. Will Reynolds will join us for the first half of the nine o'clock hour. Then we'll have from 935 until 1006, a full 31 minutes of wide open forum, taking your phone calls, your comments, your questions at 609-407-1450. And a fun way to end what has been a great broadcasting week together.
We'll be back with Seth right after this. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. It is Harry Hurley, 33 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow on the app. The Millville Meteor, Mike Trout, Major League Baseball great, future Hall of Famer. Love the guy, love his career, love how he carries himself. I want him to improve his autograph. And you read about it, please, why I think he should. And we have some great samplings of other greats and their autographs. Well, the local daily that I told you would be gone in our lifetime is now four-sevenths gone in print come in April. From the Town Square, New Jersey, Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Top wind gusts today in South Jersey, expected near 40 miles an hour. That'll probably happen around the midday hours as colder air whooshes back in. Our temperatures will tumble to around 42 by late afternoon. We will see the sun come out at times today. And then tonight, mainly clearing cold with lighter winds, low of 23. Tomorrow's high only 34, mostly cloudy, with a chance of snow showers. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Set the first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much. 38 minutes past the hour. Pleasure to welcome back Seth Grossman, founder, executive director of Liberty and Prosperity, former, oh, I could I could mess this up bad, but I think I'm going to be close, former Atlantic City Councilman, former Atlantic County freeholder, and and a very respectable former Republican nominee for the United States Congress in District 2. I probably left out something here or there or anywhere. Uh, but, Seth, welcome to Hurley in the Morning. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing fine with libertyandprosperity.com. And uh, as with being in the radio business, it doesn't matter what you did before. You're only as good as your last show. I remember Rush Limbaugh said that a lot. It's true. Uh, so uh, whatever I forget to mention, uh, all the details are on our website, libertyandprosperity.com. And we have two events that, that pay for the website, pay for uh, you know our newsletters, pay for all the things we do during the, the year. One is, of course, in September when we remember Richard Summers. But we also have an event every February to remember the forgotten George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. And our event is tomorrow, uh, uh, February uh, uh, 25th. And we have two events. The main event, uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow in Summers Point, the location's uh, Sal's Cafe um, at uh, Groveland Avenue, New Road in Summers Point. Uh, It's on the website. Uh, we, We hope people order online, but you could pay at the door if you'd like. Tickets are $75. Uh, the guest is a, a just an incredible man named Trevor Loudon from New Zealand. By the way, we have, um, before the main event, he's having a, a breakfast with just six people. And we have a seat open for that for a $250 donation. So if anyone wants to go to that, spend an hour uh, with one-on-one conversation with uh, Trevor Loudon, uh, just give me a call at my Summers Point uh, office uh, through the website. So... So who's Trevor Loudon? And I guess he uh, answers the question that I remember from an old Bob Dylan song called Ballad of a Thin Man. Uh, You know something's happening, but you don't know what it is, do you, Mr. Jones? (laughs) Don't know if you remember that song. That's good. But... But but you, but you but you you look around. Our national anthem is controversial. Yeah, we have a holiday 
uh, Juneteenth to celebrate when the Emancipation Proclamation reached Texas, but no holiday for Abraham Lincoln, the man who wrote and died for it. Uh, no holiday for George Washington. Uh, we saw Kate Smith, a patriot and a civil rights pioneer, get canceled overnight uh, for being a racist. Uh, no recognition of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln during their February birthdays. We now have racially segregated staff meetings at Atlantic Cape Community College uh, as part of their diversity, equity, and inclusion program so that, uh, that people, uh, quote, people of color can, can feel safe uh, to speak their ideas. Uh, and, and so we have to separate the races for that. Uh, Thanksgiving is pretty much canceled, or at least it's controversial. Uh, and every time you go to a doctor's office, uh, you have to put on your form uh, what your race is, your ethnicity, whether you're a white Hispanic or a non-white Hispanic. So so how do we get here? By the way, there was never anything, that term never existed until George Zimmerman, because they messed it all up, and then they had to use that crazy term that isn't real and doesn't really exist. It's made up. It's made up, but every time uh, you can't go to a doctor's office for any reason without having to check off that particular box. By the way, I'm very, uh, very opposed to what you said about uh, I'm going to call it segregation. Why? Why? why we got away from that. Why would you have segregation again? Why isn't it being called that, Seth? Well, the reason is, uh, and this is what puzzled Trevor Loudon, uh, because we, we're, we Americans were so used to having People act in good faith. Well, I have a reason for doing that. We're not used to people uh, who will say uh, who will say or do anything to destroy you, to divide you, yeah. to ruin your country, to ruin your organization. Not because they want to achieve any goal; they just want to destroy you, so they can then take over uh, on, on the ashes. By the way, hang in there just for for this break. So then we'll have 10 minutes uninterrupted on the other side. And I texted you something about five minutes ago that I don't think you'll be displeased with. Uh, check that out during the break. It's Seth Grossman and yours truly early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. And we thank you for it. TGIF continues. Senator Testa, 20 minutes away. Atlanta County Prosecutor Will Reynolds, and he's got a really great update. I've actually had the chance to view about eight different photos. You should see the difference underneath the Atlantic City boardwalk. I, I As far as the eye can see in these photos, uh, I don't see a single person under the boardwalk uh, at this hour. And um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a bonus. Because that's just – that's not good for anyone. It's not good for business. It's not good for anything. You're walking over the boardwalk and, you know, you, you hear things and, and then, of course, people want to stay warm and they can set a fire. Uh, and that happened multiple times. It's just, you just can't have that. That's not – it's not a home under there. We've got to – you know, we've got to do better. And they, they actually are. And we were, we were there before. It's like anything. You have to keep the, um, the eye on it and you, you can't – you can't just do it and then forget about it because it, it just becomes exactly what it was five minutes later. Back in just a few minutes. 
Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Bernie Sanders is selling tickets to an event with him, one night only live in concert, 95 yeah. bucks a pop. Uh, also selling it through Ticketmaster <laughs> right. to uh, talk about how capitalism sucks. So Sanders on his tour now, if you want to see Bernie Sanders, discuss the book, it's 95 bucks. And you get your tickets through Ticketmaster. <laughs> Mark Lee, Ben Cam, Ben Robbins. Weekday afternoons at 1 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you very much. Great one. Actually, a little bonus. A little more than 10 minutes left in the hour. We continue with the executive director, the founder of Liberty and Prosperity, Seth Grossman. So, Seth, we have 10 minutes. We have plenty of time to continue to promote tomorrow and anything else you want to talk about the organization. Let me put a question out onto the floor for someone listening that has heard of Liberty and Prosperity, but maybe isn't quite sure who you are, what you do. How would you what is your I, I don't like to use this phrase, but what's your elevator pitch um, for what Liberty and Prosperity is and what you do? Well, we do what what American institutions used to do. It used to be if you went to the movies, uh, the the hero would be uh, people standing up for for justice for America, for the idea that we're all created equal and endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, that America was a good place, that everybody who works hard, who uh, who who plays by the rules, uh, can succeed in America. Uh, yes, uh, there are barriers. Uh, my grandfather uh, couldn't get a job as an engineer because he was a Jew. So he went back to school and uh, and became a dentist uh, so that his uh, children and grandchildren could have those opportunities. Uh, because he knew that even in um, here in America, um, you know, when there were barriers, you could overcome those uh, barriers by, by doing a good job, by working and saving, by doing twice the work for half the money. So... So to promote American values, and and the scary thing is, uh, we we seem to be by ourselves doing that. The schools used to teach that. You used to be able to get biographies of uh, great Americans who started off poor, uh, who became rich and successful. Uh, but those books are gone from our schools. They're gone from our movies. The media doesn't cover those stories anymore. All the media covers are. Uh, or, uh, you know, stories about all the injustice, all the evil, uh, how horrible America is, all designed to, to tear it down. And that's why uh, Trevor Loudon, our speaker tomorrow, uh, really shows insight as to what it is. So so really we're hoping that America, um, that, that liberty and prosperity at some point will no longer be necessary, that the message we teach will again be taught in our schools, taught in our colleges, taught in our media, taught by groups like Boy Scouts and, and Girl Scouts, taught by corporations, uh, with their commercials, uh, but we, we're almost like the, the outpost. We're like the, uh, I, I hate to say it, when the Roman Empire collapsed, we're like the, the monks in the monasteries mm. who kept learning alive uh, until the world was ready to receive them again. So uh, <laughs> that's an optimistic or pessimistic way of looking well, at it. Seth, I love the way you're putting that, but I don't think you're going to be out of business anytime soon because there are more radical departures from our civil liberties and all of this wackiness, this rewriting the doll children's books. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of just scratch outs and and new entries and all these different things that are happening. I mean, we have areas of the country that want to 
cancel Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln. It's insane. I mean, the great emancipator, we're going to cancel him if they get away with it. Still very aggressive things uh, in education, indoctrination, CTR. I mean, you could go on and on and on and on. I, I, I sadly report I don't think you're going to be out of business anytime soon because I actually think it's getting worse. It is, and Trevor Loudon explains it. And one thing that's clear, when we talked about good faith, Americans, we were really spoiled. We were good people. We want to do the right thing. We're a moral people. We have our Judeo-Christian background, love thy neighbor as thyself. So when we see somebody says, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm unhappy, you have to fix this problem, we always want to meet them halfway. But what, what happens when you have people acting in bad faith who are there to destroy your country so they could take over and be running it because they think in their minds uh, they're smarter and more uh, moral or virtuous than anybody else, uh, and, and they're willing to do uh, – their, their term is by any means necessary to take over, uh, we don't know how to deal with it. And, and look what happened, for example, how they manipulate uh, minorities. Uh, with the uh, remember when we had civil unions, uh, if someone was gay and they said, "Look, I'm paying into this benefits package, but because I'm not married, my my partner can't get the benefits." Uh, isn't it fair uh, to have a civil union so I could get the same benefits as a married couple? And of course, Americans said, "Sure, we had civil unions, but that wasn't enough." Okay, I want you to call it marriage. Sure, call it marriage. We have no problem. Now, uh, I want to go in your church, and I want your priest to do the uh, uh, the ceremony. And if you don't, I want to close down your church. Yeah. I want you or bake a cake. To bake a cake for me, yeah. uh, for me. And if you don't do it, uh, I want you to to have uh, you know uh, a drag queen story hour in, in your child's school. In other words, no matter what you agree to, it's never enough because, as they say. But then, and this is so true, it's never enough. And then the worst thing of all, they try to cancel you. So they try to take your rights away while they seek insatiable ones. And there's got to be, you know, there's got to be fairness to this at some level uh, because it's just not right. Your your narrative, which probably irritated some, is accurate. It's historically accurate. It went from tolerance to equality to then if you don't agree because this is a country where i don't have to agree with you and you don't have to agree with me that that was always good enough you know that's what the constitution says uh, free speech free speech right now seth i'm not educating you i'm just saying it so we can converse about it is under assault right now right and, and it's for, for a reason because again as they say the issue is never the issue the revolution is the issue they bring up problems, not because they want problems to get solved. They want them to get worse, and they will do everything they can to make it worse. And if you fix the problem that they're talking about, they'll create another problem. Uh, and, and, and where does this come from? And this is exactly where Trevor Loudon uh, uh, comes from. He grew up in New Zealand. As a young man in the 1980s, a New Zealand, small country, 5 million people, best friend America ever had. Uh, they were grateful to America for saving them from the Japanese during World War II. They admired our movies, our culture. They just loved America. And then suddenly in the 1980s, when Ronald Reagan was president, 
and when America stood up to you know the evil empire with the Star Wars, uh, suddenly in New Zealand uh, they elected a socialist government, kicked the U.S. Navy out of all their ports. Uh, and, and how did a country's politics change overnight? Uh, and Treble Loudon, uh, as a young man, he had a drinking buddy who was a truck driver. That truck driver had no interest in politics, but he was a born leader who was active in his union. And during a particular labor dispute, Trevor's drinking buddy organized a demonstration of truck drivers, which attracted national attention, made him a celebrity wow. uh, on, on TV there. Hey, Seth, I got to go in like 30 seconds. Give a quick plug, anything you want to close with. I need the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was he was uh, uh, recruited by, by communists. And, and you don't want to say this, but, uh, you know, this is what we learned. Communists are almost like the mafia. You don't just become a communist. You have to be a made man. You have to be invited. Uh, and, of course, they don't call themselves communists. Uh, they call themselves democratic socialists, whatever name it, it has. So it's uh, we've been conditioned not to be aware of our greatest danger. And, uh, and it took me 50 years to realize that danger. And I, I invite people to follow Trevor Loudon, come to the event, and you may be persuaded as I was. Because I, I, again, 50 years ago, I, I, I got an award for making a speech against the John Birch Society for saying exactly what I'm saying right now. So it's a remarkable... Yeah. So today it could get you canceled. Seth, uh, have a great event tomorrow. We'll keep in touch. And it is our pleasure, the Hurley in the Morning Charity, to make, again, we've been doing it for a number of years, the $250 contribution to help you out. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Seth. Be well. This portion of Hurley in the Morning brought to us in part by Gary's Restaurant. Now, Gary is open six days a week, only closed on Tuesday. So Wednesday through Monday, opening at 7 a.m. every day. He's like Disney World. Uh, they never open late. Breakfast, lunch, eat-in, takeout. They do a great job. We love it there. You're going to love the special menu. You'll love the menu on the board. You'll love the special menu. And then, of course, the expansive trifold menu. Gary's Restaurant, seemingly forever at 831 New Road in Pleasantville. If you need to call Gary, 609-383-9980. 609-383-9980. It is our official breakfast spot. I usually get there around 11 and I have breakfast in that hour and just love it at Gary's Restaurant. The senator from the 1st Legislative District, Senator Testa, next. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you. Welcome back. It's six minutes past the hour. Joining us now, as he does on this very day, in this very hour, which is pretty simple to uh, to mark it down. It's typically the fourth Friday of every month in the 8 o'clock hour. We visit with New Jersey Senator Michael Testa, who, in addition to being a great member of the New Jersey legislature, is a great friend. That's more important to me than anything. I'd be his friend if he was, you know, not a senator. Uh, in fact, I was when he was not a senator. Uh, in any event, he's here. Also, he retains the... Uh, 
the champion's belt. He is the uh, chairman of the Cumberland County regular Republican organization, and they have made tremendous, tremendous strides and inroads uh, in an area that had been dominated by Democrats for quite a while. And we have a lot to talk about. And and I want to have the first item to put on the table, if the good senator doesn't mind. Senator Testa, welcome to her early in the morning. It's great to be here with the mayor of the morning. And I'm slightly envious that you never have to run for re-election. You are the perpetual mayor. Well, I appreciate that. It's an honor. And, and I guess after 31 years, we deserve it. You most certainly do. There's no doubt about that. I mean, 31 years. And I think you did. You know, I, I do follow you, Harry. I don't always text you because I know that you get, you know, if not tens of texts, you get hundreds of texts uh, that you did two Fox shows this week as well. So, you know, my hat goes off to you. I don't know when you sleep. It's It's got to be that the, you know, the five hours, you know, that I get a, of sleep at night, you're getting five hours somewhere else in the day because of how early you are on the in the morning. So, uh, really kudos to you this week for the amount of work that you've put in filling in for Fox. And, and, and you know, we love to see one of our, uh, you know, our veritable hometown boys making it on the national scene. It's 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 great. It's well-deserved and possibly overdue. Oh, thank you, Senator. And I want to I want to start with a different item. But the one I have, we really have to drill down on. But this I'm just going to throw in because I just thought of it for some reason. And you were there, of course, the inaugural Ronald Reagan dinner that uh, your your fellow friend and fellow colleague, fellow chairman, uh, Don Purdy, put together. That was a fabulous evening. There was a, It was Atlantic County-centric in a way, but in fairness, though, uh, the chairman of the Cumberland County Republican Party was there, you. The chairman of the Cape May County regular Republican organization, Mike Donahue, was there. So really, it was a lot of support, tri-county, I would say, uh, you know I love the hotel. It's my official hotel casino, resorts casino hotel. And you know I love that room, the Ocean Ballroom. I thought it was a spectacular night. It absolutely was. And I can tell you, and Chairman Purdy can confirm this, I uh, I sent him a text, and, and, and this is a, a loose quote, but I said, Chairman, you knocked it out of the park tonight. Kudos to you and your team. And, you know, and one of the things I really appreciated about Chairman Purdy um, that night is how he thanked his team. And, and you think about it, you know, Nick La Rotunda, who apparently had a whole lot to do with making that great night come together, just had a baby born a few days after the event. So we have to give a shout out to Mr. and Mrs. La Rotunda and their, you know, brand new baby who's healthy and happy from what I can see on Facebook. And, I, you know, I, I just have to say it was really a, a wonderful night. Pretty good MC that they had. Yeah, who is uh, who is that guy? uh, I I heard of him, but I'll tell I'll tell you what was really uh, it was a lot of fun. Van Drew was great. I thought Runyon was great. The former congressman, the former Eagle, great. Uh, The the freeholders. I mean, it was Palestina. The 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 fake uh, resolution with all the um, you know the jib jabs in there on on Palestina, and he took that really. I mean, I think you can appreciate this. Someone that can laugh at their own expense, that's a good quality. I like that. And Palestina. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For those who don't know, Purdy instructed Palestina to read his own proclamation. And it was just hilarious. 
and you could see Palestina laughing before he had to say these things. And it was it was fantastic. It just was a the vibe in that room. The reason I thought that dinner was so important and I'm so happy that they already reserved the Ocean Ballroom for next year. So the, the inaugural is now will be second annual. And then you know how that works. We did an inaugural golf tournament and now this year is 16th inaugural dinner and now it's 15th. So it happens. You, you can, you know, lightning in a bottle. What I like about it is there's so much divisiveness in our country. And even sometimes even it, within our own party, it can happen that that type of camaraderie is really healthy for the patient. I like that that was done. I think it's good. I think it's great. I, I, I'll go a step further. I think it's necessary. Yeah. It's, 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 it's easy to sit behind a keyboard or in your house and, you know, criticize your fellow party members, your fellow Republicans. It's hard to do that when there's that electricity in the room. And make no mistake about it, it was, you know, headliner after headliner with you as the MC, Runyon, you know, former congressman now working with the NFL, uh, Congressman Van Drew, Chairman Purdy. And, you know, and the honoree, Senator Vince Palestine, and I'm, you know, really proud of him that he was able to receive the inaugural award. Well, well deserved on his part, you know, because, you know, something that I think that I've heard him say before is people ask, well, you know, why, why did you need to get back into politics? You had been in the legislature as an assemblyman before. It, it's because he actually really wants to serve his constituents. So that, that's really nice to see when someone wants to be in the game for all of the right reasons. And, and I can tell you, I was the keynote speaker two nights ago at the Bergen County Republican organization, their, their Lincoln Day dinner, which happened to fall on uh, on George Washington's birthday and Ash Wednesday, which was a little bit maybe of a, of a miscue as far as the planning was concerned. And my entire speech started with President Lincoln's famous quote about a house divided against itself cannot stand. Now, obviously, that quote was meant about our country being divided at the time, but we can't have a party divided against itself and still survive and get Republicans elected. So that was my entire speech. And so what you're saying about Atlanta County's inaugural event, and it was an amazing inaugural event, and I know they're going to top it next year, which is pretty difficult to do considering how packed that room was and the you know, the laundry list of heavyweights that were in the room, so to speak, it's going to be difficult to top, but I know they're going to do it because it's going to be a second year and they're going to have more planning and they're going to have more success this year. It's just, it was great to see. It really is. After the break, here's going to be the topic. I think it's a really important discussion. I know that you have not been shy at all to be critical. I continue to be amazed. Uh, I I don't know whether to call it duplicity, uh, what to call it. But to watch Democrats just unconsciously, breathlessly defending that this windmill stuff couldn't possibly have anything to do with all these whales that are dying that we've never seen. I know they're trying to say, oh, this is normal. I, 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 look, you and I have been around a long time. I haven't seen this number of whales washing up ever. And I don't think it's that they always did and we just are caring about it now. And while I'm not ready to say that it's the windmills or the mapping that they did and the sounds that they were, you know, the charges they were exploding underneath, you know, the, the, on the floor of the ocean and all these different things, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the cause. I've never gone on record to say that I'm not qualified. I don't know if that's the cause, but I'm not I'm not going to dismiss it. 
and from my friend the governor on down, all the Democrats, they can't wait to just tell you that it couldn't possibly have anything to do with it. And and I, I, I'm sure the reason has to be they're in cahoots with the people that are doing this and, and the expression follow the money. Obviously, that's what all this is about. And Van Drew gave me one of the most sobering things about this that I ever heard because I never knew it. I wrote about it and and talked about it, but I never knew that each one of these is taller or as tall as the Empire State Building. And anybody that hears that for the first time, it takes your breath away. And then these things are going to be in the hundreds and even thousands. And and we don't hear anything about all these dead birds and all the all the, the the impact, the environmental impact that this supposed clean energy has. So I want to get your take on it. I know it, but I want our listeners to hear you have the opportunity to talk about it. We'll be back in a few minutes with Senator Michael Testa. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Enjoying our monthly visit with New Jersey Senator Michael Testa from the 1st Legislative District. So, Senator, I know we live in bizarro world, so this is perfectly in keeping with it. But it's Republicans who are concerned about the environment and Democrats who are not concerned about the environment. And they just push onward like there's nothing at all unusual going on here. Absolutely. Their mantra, you know, nothing to see here. This is what you need. Green energy. You know, Harry, I've told this to you before privately and publicly. I've been so lucky that I've been able to rub elbows with some of the greats in the Republican Party, one of them being former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. And he really always has pushed that we need to use the same language over and over again. And one of the words that he consistently uses is the hypocrisy of the left, the utter hypocrisy. So we need to point out the hypocrisy. And I've said this, that if this were a Republican regime in the state of New Jersey and we were pursuing offshore drilling and one whale washed up on the shore, one, not ten, one, if one whale washed up on the shore, you know you would have Jeff Tittle from the Sierra Club there with Greenpeace, all holding hands, surrounding the whale carcass, crying. Yep. And let's be honest, with the Democratic governor and all the other Democrats that would go absolutely bananas that the Republicans are blowing up, you know, charges at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, we don't know what it's doing to the marine life. Whales are dying. But you're right. If, if, if a tooth of one whale washed up, they would go absolutely bananas. They, they absolutely would be, and they'd be calling for a moratorium. And yet here we have migratory birds that we know are going to be irreparably harmed by these, by these wind farms. We're still not sure what it's going to do to our commercial fishing industry, and that includes oysters and scallops that are so vital to the economy, certainly of Legislative District 1 and Legislative District 2, and up and down our coastline. Yep. This is something that we should have explored scientifically, you know, and this is you said something before the break, Harry, that we're not sure if the sonar testing is exactly 
what is causing these deaths. And the Republican Party, we're always accused of not following the science. So let's take a scientific approach to what's happening right now and pause to investigate and see whether it is, in fact, an anomaly that the left is saying, oh, there's nothing to see here. It's just an anomaly that all these whales are washing up on your shores. Maybe that's true. I, I, I have some real reservations about whether that can be true. Or is it something that is happening that is directly causally related to all of the testing for these wind farms? I think we it yeah, deserves- and, and also, too, like how good is it to have a thousand or however many thousands, hundreds? You know, I hear different numbers all the time, but it's a lot of them that are as tall as the Empire State Building out there. We know in California, you look at those windmill farms, there's dead birds all over the place. They they. The hypocrisy is the right word because again, if that if it, it were Republicans that were killing birds on a daily basis, and look, they can't help it. They, birds, if a window is too clean, they fly right into the window and sometimes die or into the glass. Uh, so we know this happens. So they they get caught up in these um, in these windmills. They get demolished, and the carcasses are all over the ground. And the Democrats just continue to celebrate their hypocrisy and pat themselves on the back that we're going to be green in the next 10 years and have no gasoline in 10 years. They're crazy. Absolutely. So this is really a great segue. Um, We just had a recent conference at Atlantic Cape Community College with all of the members of Legislative District 1 and all of the members of Legislative District 2. So myself, Senator Palestina, Palestina, Assemblywoman Claire Swift, Assemblyman Don Guardian, Assemblyman Eric Simonson, Assemblyman Antoine McClellan, we all got to speak. That issue came up. And, you know, we had an honest discussion about energy in our state. You know, a lot of people don't know what our energy portfolio looks like. We have 50% natural gas, 40% nuclear, which many people don't realize in the state of New Jersey. We're doing a great job. That's actually very, very clean energy, nuclear energy. And then there's 10% other, which is solar, wind, and other sources. Yet here we have the governor wants to electrify the entire state of New Jersey by 2035 because we need to be somehow the California of the East Coast. You know, I don't believe that New Jerseyans want to be any other state but New Jersey. We don't want to mimic any other state. New Jerseyans are very proud and very territorial. I think we need to be the best New Jersey we can be. Why would we want to mimic a, a state that is an utter failure? Like what you've seen on all of those images from California. We need to make sure that we are not over-investing in a technology that's not going to have a rate of return. And we already know it's not going to have the return on investment for all of the money that is being spent for what is now merely less than 10% of our energy portfolio. There's no way in hell that we're ever going to get from that 10% to 100%. It's impossible. Senator, Senator, see if you agree with this, because everything they do, there is, it's not just hypocrisy. They also have an ulterior motive with everything that they do. And it always is about control, controlling our lives, limiting our options, everything they do during the pandemic, for example, being able to drop the hammer on civil liberties, uh, what people were willing to put up with now that you can look at this 2020 through the rearview mirror. And I give you a lot of credit because you were ahead of me on this. Um, 
you know, I tried to do the right thing, uh, but Democrats never wanted to let go because and I predicted this early on that it's going to be really hard for them to let go of emergency power because it really makes them the dictators of our lives that they want to be. They don't want to be part of a representative republic. Now, I'm not talking about good Democrats, but you're all silent so and you vote for these people, so you're guilty too. But I am talking about the ones because there's not 10% of Democrats that agree with defund the police and all this radical stuff, teaching little tiny kids in school about penises and vaginas. And if you had that conversation with a child out on the street, you'd be in jail. You'd be a Megan's List offender for the rest of your life. They're allowed to do it in school. They want kids to be able to be have abortions and gender uh, switching uh, without parent, parental notification. I mean, it's absolutely it's abominable what they stand for right now. But on this issue of energy. They want it to be like California. Hey, everybody, uh, we're going to do away with gasoline because it's terrible and everybody's going to have electric cars. And oh, by the way, you can't drive your electric car because we're in a rolling blackout. So they will actually be able to control you because they will then control your energy consumption. Senator, do you agree with me? This is an insidious agenda that is about control. So I, I quoted... I know a, a great friend of yours as far as in the you know in the intellectual hierarchy of talk show hosts today, uh, Charles Krauthammer. And he has a great quote, and may he rest in peace. I got to meet with him and speak with him one time again. I, I, I've said I've been so blessed to rub elbows with the, some of the greats. And, and he, he talked about Washington, about whether one thinks it's you know incompetence or an insidious plan. And it's more likely just incompetence. And so I, I hope not an insidious plan, but it certainly looks like it is. But I, I said this about New Jersey Transit the other day. You know, New Jersey Transit's, you know, exploring electric buses, you know, obviously going along with Governor Murphy's energy disaster plan, as I've called it. Well, and, and I said, you know what we need in Cumberland County? You know what we need in South Jersey? Buses. We don't need electric buses. We need buses. New Jersey Transit has amounted to pure taxation without representation here in South Jersey. And I can tell you that I know that Senator Palestina and myself have had multiple conversations about a population of workers from Vineland, New Jersey, and the rest of Cumberland County that could be working in casinos in Atlantic City with good jobs and benefits. Guess what? They can't get there. Oh, they can't terrible. get there, Harry, because New Jersey Transit doesn't have the proper amount of bus routes or buses here. But we're going to talk about electric buses. Where are we going to charge them in the rural portions of Cumberland County and in Cape May County? Where are we going to charge yeah. them? And, and, and we're going to go to the halftime break. We'll come right back. If you have more on this, time is yours. And then we're going to talk about some other stuff with Senator Testa as well. But what they don't take into account is when there's not enough uh, of this electric or green energy, uh, what do we do? You know, they've made it very, very tough uh, for the oil industry, and it's just, and they don't talk about how dirty, you know, the strip mining that takes place of the, of the resources they need to make the green energy. These batteries that go on fire that you literally can't even put out. Fire departments put them out and they start up again. It's it's unbelievable, uh, and and they never ever talk about how dirty. One of the greatest little uh, cartoons I ever saw were comic strips was um, 
the green energy looking everybody's smiling they're happy these politicians with pins on their lapel and they're so happy with themselves and then right off of the clean energy they have a whole contraption behind it with the combustion engine and black you know smog fumes coming out uh and it's exactly what it is it's a filthy process they they only speak of the green energy aspect once it's there they don't speak about how it got there and how completely again hypocritical they are because it's everything they would usually complain about but because their agenda and i think i'm right about this it is about control i i love krauthammer and by the way what would krauthammer think now of what's been going on i think about that kind of stuff his voice is so missed right now what would Limbaugh think two years later? He's been gone. How how far the left has gone in this country in the past couple of years? It's breathtaking. These two disastrous years. No mistake, trillions of dollars in new debt. We have shortages of everything. Inflation is still runaway. Wages can't keep up. Eggs are nine dollars and beyond a dozen. It's incredible. And what you get with their philosophy is high prices forever. That's what they're about. And again, I believe it's about control. We'll be back with Senator Testa Moore of the Hurley in the Morning program. On the station that plays the winners, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 South Jersey's number one news talk radio station. This is the Town Square, New Jersey, Info and Weather Network. Yep, still me, 33 minutes past the hour with three stories you can follow right now on the app. The Millville Meteor, Mike Trout, love him. I say he's this era's Mickey Mantle. I finally found something that I disagree. Read all about it. I say that Trout has to improve his autograph, and I provide specimens to prove it. The local daily that I have predicted for 31 years will cease to exist in print in our lifetime in just a few weeks, we'll be four-sevenths of the way to my prediction coming true. That and more. From the Townsport, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. For the fourth week in a row, we've got a cold front and tumbling temperatures taking us into the weekend. We're going to see the thermometer drop from the 40s and 50s this morning to around 42 by sunset. Gusty wind to 40 miles an hour. Clouds then sun probably dry today. It's going to get cold tonight. Low 23. The wind lightens up. Mostly cloudy. Chance of snow showers tomorrow. High 34. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. We're back 40 minutes past the hour with New Jersey Senator Michael Testa. All right, so I've had the topic so far. Let me turn it over. Oh, 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 we got to do something during the break. Senator Testa and I actually looked up Charles Krauthammer's quote so that we could give it to you. The senator uh, explained it, you know, very, very, you know, uh, accurately. But we figured we have a few minutes during the break. Let's look the quote up. So the two of us did this during the break. And the Krauthammer, uh, Charles Krauthammer said, whenever you're faced with an explanation of what's going on in Washington, the choice between incompetence and conspiracy 
always choose incompetence. That is largely true. I mean, you could say Pete Buttigieg. Could you imagine being the Secretary of Transportation and not being on the ground in uh, New pa- uh, Palestine, East Palestine, rather, uh, for 20 days, almost three weeks? So that is incompetence. And that's they're they're very good at that, Senator. I mean, it, 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 it's like the, the Washington, D.C. clown car at this point, right? I it mean, really it, is. But, but this is what you get. And, and, and you're not afraid to have this conversation, I don't think. And I certainly am not either. This administration is about checking boxes. Buddha Judge was a failed mayor from South Bend, Indiana. Great town, bad mayor. He's called Pothole Pete, not because he filled the potholes, but because he couldn't fill the potholes. He's like Marty Small. The streets are like the surface of the moon. He's a joke. He's incompetent. And he keeps losing his way to the top. So... Biden gives him secretary of transportation like it's not a serious job. Look at the airlines. Look at these train derailments, the toxic spills. I mean, it's unbelievable. But Biden, he 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 checked the box up front before he was even president that I will pick a, a, a African-American female. Uh, uh, he picks Buttigieg because he's a gay man. It's all checking boxes rather than hiring competent people. So should anyone, Senator Testa, be surprised with what we've got? Everything is wrong right now because we've got people. I mean, I I would think even someone that had no transportation background but was at least an accomplished executive would have been all over that toxic spill. Remember, FEMA and Biden initially said we're not doing anything, which is amazing to me. If not you, who? The whole reason for the federal government is for the things we cannot do for ourselves. That's why a limited federal government was set up in the first place. We can't do the military. We need you. If we have a toxic chemical spill, we can't do it. Or we have 4,700 people in this tiny town. We can't do this. We need you. And they weren't there for weeks. Yeah, that's incompetence, Senator. It is absolute incompetence. Now, the issue with the border, I will say, is is a mixture a combination of incompetence and an insidious plan yes because i I can say this and 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 when you said limited federal government they're not allowing our border states to protect their own borders because they're saying that's their purview and they're not protecting the border correct it's absolutely ridiculous we have you know And, and to show you it's it's an absolute uh plan to have illegals come into our country and and they just believe that they are automatically Democrat voters. I think it would be fantastic if they turned out not to be, but they, they seem to feel that they've got this button down the way that they want. You have this this unconscionable new governor in Arizona. She removed the shipping containers that were put in to block the areas that were open. Who would do that on a border state? But she's part of that Democrat cabal and the plan of an open border to let illegals in by the millions, over 5 million or more during the last two years. And there's no question, it is what you say. It is incompetence, but it is also an insidious plan. Uh, and I call it the um, their plan towards the permanent Democrat majority in America. Well, and Harry, I'll give kudos to you. You've said it many, many times for years and years on your show that they will either burn the house down so that they can rule the ashes. No doubt. No doubt. I don't know that there's a much better quote describing their plan than this. 
Um, but I, I want to get back to what we were speaking about, you know, green energy, green energy. You know, Angela Merkel of Germany was heralded as a hero in Germany for shutting down all of their nuclear energy. Well, now, you know, without the United States intervening, they'd be freezing to death. And you have, in Germany, you have them refiring up their coal plants, mm -hmm. which is the filthiest form of energy, right? Yep. And, and you have, you know, Greta, you know, Greta Thunberg, she's, you know, how dare you meme that we see all over the place. You know, somehow she's an expert at 20 years old, yeah. and they parade around the world concerning green energy with no degrees, nothing whatsoever as far as any real knowledge about how energy is created or stored. And by the way, we'll get the break in and we'll come back to this. No connecting of the dots to show that their plan would have brought about, as you say, people would literally have frozen to death this winter without America shipping uh, what what we did in terms of um, uh, energy, uh, the liquid form to be able to uh, to convert it into heating. And it's just un unbelievable what what they what they preach has no chance of being successful, but they don't care. It's sort of the California model. It's why I always hate that what starts in California next pops up in New Jersey. It's already failed spectacularly there, and then we bring it here to fail spectacularly. More with Senator Testa in our closing segment coming up next. With Michael Testa, Senator from the 1st Legislative District, I am early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one news talk radio station. If you love South Jersey's talk station, then the WPG Talk Radio app is a must-have on your phone. Listen to all your favorite talk shows around the clock and instantly call them with just the tap of your finger. Text the WPG Talk Radio studio. Send us your pictures and videos of breaking news and more. It's the WPG Talk Radio app, a free download from South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. For complete contest rules, visit WPGTalkRadio.com. Oh, this went so fast. 53 minutes past the hour. Reminder coming up in about 12 minutes. Your Atlanta County Prosecutor, Will Reynolds, really with a great update. Uh, Dateline Atlantic City coming up and more with Atlanta County Prosecutor, Will Reynolds. We continue our visit with New Jersey Senator Michael Testa. And I said to the senator during the break how much I've enjoyed our conversation today. But I always do. Uh, senator, time is yours. Well, well Harry, I mean, where, where, where do you want to go with this? I mean, we have a great event tonight. Uh, you know, I know Mr. Malamut, you know, offered me an invitation to try Squares and Fair Pizza, offer a really good cause. We could talk about that. I'm so excited. I've been waiting to try that specific pizza for a while. Uh, you know, it's a, like a secret pop-up pizzeria. Uh, we could talk more about energy. We could talk about the arena. I, I do want to give a shout-out to my running mates, Assemblyman Eric Simonson and Assemblyman Antoine McClellan, as, as well as Chairman Michael Donahue, I think we're preparing for another victory this year, which I'm really excited uh, to get this election season underway. And, Harry, I do want to thank you. You you mentioned my role as county chairman in Cumberland County. And, you know, we have flipped Cumberland County for multiple years in favor of the Republican Party for the first time in over 50 years. And this year we have the chance to run the table to go 7-0 on our what used to be called the freeholder board 
now our board of commissioners and pick up two constitutional the sheriff and the surrogate and i never guarantee wins that's not what i'm in the business of we're still going to try our absolute hardest but i like our odds a whole lot and isn't this amazing because correct me if correct me if i am wrong senator but i don't think i'm wrong democrats still outnumber republicans in cumberland county correct Absolutely. We've gotten it down quite a bit since I've been chair. When I started out as chair, we were about 16,000 votes down um, through a lot of efforts through our team. And in the last number of years, we're about 6,500 votes down now. Wow, that's amazing. And let me add one other thing. This is almost like math. It's almost provable. I don't know of an example where this has ever not been true. If you take take a state like New Jersey, for example, there's more Democrats than Republicans and more independents than there are Democrats or Republicans. But usually in a state that is more Democrat than Republican, more independents trend to the Democrat Party in that scenario than the Republican. So on top of the fact that Democrats actually enjoy a regist- party registration advantage, I think independents also could be trending towards the other side unless you and you can do this when you show that your ideas are better independence will come your way so i would think not only have you closed the gap with the democrats which is very impressive and notable it you also have won i believe hearts and minds of independence and that's what allows you to win these races I couldn't agree more. And, and you've said this before, and I have to give credit where credit is due always, Harry. You've said it that the left always goes too far. Correct. And they have gone too far in a number of areas. We just spoke about, you know, Mayor Pete stumbling upwards to, to bigger and better jobs, even though he's failing. So just absolutely stumbling upwards. They've allowed their distinct minority, even in the Democratic Party, to control the narrative of, you know, defund and disband police departments, be softer on crime, let criminals out early. You know, I was in Judiciary Committee yesterday, and yet again, all I heard from people who are against a bill, which was a Democrat bill, by the way, to increase the penalties for carjacking, all I heard from opponents of the bill were that, we should we should be softer on the penalties that that system isn't working. I never once heard anything about the victims of these heinous crimes. And by the way, the lasting effects that these victims carry with them, that they're afraid to walk to their car by themselves. They're afraid to go out to the street at night if they left something in their car. I mean, all of those everlasting things that happen to good people. I didn't hear one thing. From the opponents of the bill. So the Democrats are handing us elections because they are running very far and hard to the left. And as you said, those so-called good Democrats, it's the sound of silence. Yeah, they've, and, they, and they continue to vote for these people with the radical agendas. In the final minute, do you think this is the year where finally in New Jersey we will get it? Now, we've been winning here in the southern portion of the state, but do you think we're finally going to get it, especially in the run-up to then governor and then the presidential race of 24, where we understand that we can't allow Democrats to own the early voting and the vote by mail? That's got. We have 30 seconds. Closing comment on that. We've got to fix that, Senator. 
Absolutely. Well, look, I'm going to give a shout out to the Cumberland GOP. We were the number one rate of return for vote by mail for GOPs in the entire state of New Jersey because we realize how important that is. We cannot give up vote by mail. We have to make sure our people believe that they can vote by mail and that their votes will, in fact, be counted. They can't continue to have this distrust of vote by mail. This was a great visit. I appreciate your time and our relationship and our friendship. Uh, until we meet again, enjoy the uh, the pizza tonight. I know Friday's a pizza day for you, so this is, works out perfect that there's a great event that Jim Alamut with Gilda's is doing, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Senator. WPGG Absolutely. City. Thank you so much. HD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. Atlanta County. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you and welcome to the program. It is WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I'm Hurley in the Morning at 6 minutes past the hour and it's my pleasure on the Hurley in the Morning Newsmaker Hotline to go right to our Atlantic County Prosecutor Will Reynolds. He has what I'm calling a Dateline Atlantic City Report. And the prosecutor will be with us until the bottom of the hour. And then we can't wait to open up the phone lines to take your phone calls for the remainder of today's program. The Because I love what I do, I, I don't mark time. I try to make a difference. And there, I know there are people, it's supposedly like 70% of the people absolutely hate their job. I'm so blessed for 31 years to love what I do that I can't believe how fast this show has gone. And if you haven't been with us for the full ride... When the podcast is uploaded, you can download it right on the app, and it's just been great. I mean, the the guests that we've had, I like them all. They're all interesting, very, very listenable program this morning, which I promise you uh, will not take any uh, decrease in that uh, comment with what we're going to do in this half hour. And then I know that you will all bring it home in the uh, final half hour, a little more than a half hour that we'll have until Kilmeade at six minutes past the top of the next hour. So let's get right to it. Atlanta County Prosecutor Will Reynolds is here. Mr. Prosecutor, welcome back to Hurley in the Morning. Good morning, Harry. I I appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on and share uh, real-time information with you and your listeners. I think it's it's important. I think it's... uh, you know, transparent. As I've mentioned before, I'm a firm believer in radical transparency. If it's good, you're going to know about it. If it's bad, you're going to know about it. And I think the only way for us to build trust with, you know, the community and your listeners is to tell them as things are happening, good and bad. Yeah, I love that. And that's really, that's, I think it should be everybody's operating philosophy. But the, the truth is, it's not most people. So it's really, it's refreshing. And in your position, I think it's especially important constitutional officer. But on top of all of that, uh, the top law enforcement officer in the uh, in the county. Uh, and so to have uh, you communicating regularly with the community, with the region, with the with the county, uh, intellectually, honestly, on a regular basis, I think is huge. And even you look modifying things as you go, uh, you, you're putting in a lot of new things and i'm sure that you tweak them as you go along and see what works and you know what can be improved upon and how and you've got the buy-in from a very very good team that you lead 
So there's really a lot of reasons to be very hopeful. Solve rates are fantastic and a lot of, a lot of good things to talk about. The, the other thing you've not been shy to do is to get involved in the community in a way that I think is outstanding. And I'm not putting anybody else down, but probably unconventional regarding most prosecutors, some of the community outreach and, and you know, the uh, the fellowship with churches and different things, because after all, we are all connected. I consider that proactive type law enforcement. If you can prevent crime by being proactive, that's better than solving crimes after the fact, right? A hundred percent. And, you know, to piggyback on what you said about loving your job, right? And you've been doing it 31 years and that, you know, uh, three hours went by in a blink eye, right? So I've been in the job now eight and a half, almost nine months, right? Blink of an eye. I, I love the job. I love, I love being of service to all, you know, to everybody, all community groups, business leaders, casino, you know, association, in addition to the, the Fellowship of Churches, right, the Coalition for Safe Communities, in addition to anyone who wants to work with us, regardless of where you're from in the county, you know, what denomination, church, what political party, what color you're in, what race you are, what language you speak, yeah, we're, we're in it for everybody. And, you know, what's happened is those bridges are being built, and the, the, the more sturdy those bridges are, the more stuff you're getting over the bridge, right? And that's where, and that's really where we're at now, and I wanted to share with you where we are with respect to, you know, the at-risk homeless population in Atlantic City. So I'm going to give you some real numbers, the sources of the numbers, because it's being fully transparent. So I met with the the uh, DCA person, Mike Callahan, who is from the state of New Jersey, who is basically the homeless czar. So uh, I asked him regarding numbers and population. So their last uh, once-in-time population count had 501 people as being identified as homeless in Atlantic City. That was based off of 2022 numbers, okay? I can tell you when we started in June, that was probably accurate. I would say maybe 450 based upon my my contact with uh, the ACPD outreach team who, who literally tracked the homeless in Atlantic City, okay? So we started the, all these initiatives uh, in June and July, and we've we've gotten a lot of momentum from a lot of different groups, including social services, but the buy-in as well from ACPD and AC Public Works and now the administration from Atlantic City. And I'm going to tell you, about a week and a half ago, I actually was in a meeting with the mayor and DCA and our office and ACP, and we're unifying, you know, what does this going to look like? How are we going to operate and how can we help solve the homeless problem? It's never going to be perfect. We all admit that, but we're going to do, do better and we're going to work together and we're going to unify, right? Awesome. And we have a follow-up meeting coming up in the first week of March to rate, basically make an operations plan in conjunction with our boardwalk improvement group, right? So this is, it's incredible because it's un, unprecedented, right? So I'm going to tell you, I met with the outreach guys from AC this morning, the ACPD. Uh, we literally met at 5.45 a.m. It was myself and the three officers. That's it. No one else. No parade. No no lineup of 30 people posing for a picture. Just four guys standing on the boardwalk saying, okay, where are the hot spots? Where are we going? Where do we need to be concerned with? How many do you have on your Excel spreadsheet? So I'm going to give you the numbers, right? Last year at DCA, homeless population 500. Today, uh, the list they have is 300, and they have identified between 50 to 60 of those people have gone, moved on, left, or have passed away, sadly, mm. right? So we're at about 240, 
We're about 240. I'm going to tell you today, we drove the entire boardwalk and the entire beach, checked under every pier and every hotspot. We saw a total of five people that we engaged. And all five, all were engaging in social services and were getting up from the place where they were and being moved along to a better place to get them help. Five people. That was it. And I'm going to tell you, from what I saw in June, when I went out there, the last weekend of June before 4th of July, uh, to what we saw today, and it's 50 degrees and it's sunny, right? So it's not like it's 20 degrees and they're hiding inside. It's 50 degrees. Harry, when I tell you we saw five people, uh, and the, the credit is due to not only ACPD and those outreach guys, but also Public Works. There's a woman who is now director of Public Works. Her name is Crystal Lewis. Harry, every one of those hotspots had nothing underneath there. Nothing. There was no wood. There was no encampments. There was no shelters. There was no tarps. There was no blankets. There was no covers. There was nothing. They were all cleaned out. And I got to tell you, it's a combination effort between ACPD, AC Public Works, all the social services, and we're shining a light on it, right? And when you bring attention to issues, people tend to show up when there's a light shined on it. And that's exactly what's happening. And it's awesome. So in terms of where it is now, the only difference, I shouldn't say that, but a difference is, does it have staying power? You know, there's the old expression, you know, it's what happened today, but can you do it tomorrow? And can you do it the day after that and the day after that and the month and the year after that? Is this sustainable or would do you see us, I hate to put it this way, it's only for conversation because I do have faith in you, but it's been cleaned up before and we've seen where there's no homeless underneath the boardwalk in Atlantic City, then all of a sudden someone looks the other way, gets busy on something else, and it's all right back how it was before and everything is rebuilt. And here we go, you know, back to the future. Is this a, I know grinders, you know, always grind and never stop, and you are a grinder, but is this sustainable? I'm going to tell you, it absolutely is. I'm going to tell you why. We're putting a structure in place using Shire Pepler's Hope One in conjunction with the other social services, Volunteers of America and Jewish Family Services, with the buy-in from ACPD, with their outreach officers and their community policing officers, that this is going to happen seven days a week. Right? So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an example of what we did today. I rode with one of the officers. And when we saw trash cans knocked over on the beach, he called into dispatch and said, please send public works to this location. The trash cans knocked over. There's trash on the beach. It doesn't look good. Right? So that's what's going to happen. It's going to be direct communication, real time between ACPD, who is going to be on the front line, then calling in Hope One Mobile Outreach, which is going to be in the city seven days a week. Right? And then they are the connector to the other social services. And essentially, the structure that's being built, that and really, I give a lot of credit to Senator Palestina and and Sheriff Scheffler because they've been my partners in building this, and it's a public-private partnership with the casinos to make sure that this is sustainable. And we have so much momentum because we have buy-in from not only the city, from the police department, from DCA, from the state of New Jersey, from all the social services, plus our office. And Harry, you know, and I know, grinders grind, and when yeah. the grinder keeps showing up. And, and you're the guy who people are looking to for leadership, and you keep showing up with a hoodie and a pair of shorts on at 5.45 in the morning. People like to do their job because you're there. Well, I do love – I love the enthusiasm, 
And that's the winning strategy. We're going to take a break, and then the prosecutor is going to do one closing segment with us. Then we're going to get right into open forum, I promise, at 609-407-1450. It is really a great TGIF, and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we might get a little bit of snow this weekend. Keep keep that uh, keep your eye open. Uh, I, I didn't hear anything about any major accumulation or anything, but I just said yesterday it looks like we escaped winter because even as of yesterday, there was no snow in any forecast that I looked at. Again, I don't think it's anything that we're looking at accumulation or, or anything, maybe some snow flurries or something like that. But uh, pretty amazing, the winter that we've had. It'll be the winter that almost wasn't. That's the winning formula, Mr. Prosecutor, because you can clean something up once, but then if you just go away, it comes right back. That it will not have the opportunity, and then people are smart. They're not going to try to do something when there's all this attention that it's not going to be permitted, so it won't happen. And the persistence and all of these working partners – uh in perfect coordination it's it's the uh the first time that there's been a real strategy to not just do a cleanup but to actually try to fix a problem and get people help which is most important so this is good this is very good atlanta county prosecutor will reynolds with WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10. Now, back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And we continue at 23 minutes past the hour, our nice long-form interview with Atlanta County Prosecutor Will Reynolds. If you missed any of the last segment, I am telling you right now, you must upload the podcast. Uh, You will download it once Town Square Media uploads it. A little bit later today, you know how to do it right from the app. Just click on the podcast. You'll see her early in the morning. Today's date. Click on that. And if it's uh, Will Reynolds that you'd like to listen to the prosecutor, you can move it right across. There's the button right there to just quickly advance the um, the program. It's been a great show. But if you want to get right to Will, uh, you can advance it right to 906 and away we go. And you'll be able to listen to what you may have missed because this problem of the homeless in Atlantic City and homeless living under the boardwalk in particular has really been unstoppable for decades. And this is the first real organized approach. I want to give Mayor Guardian credit because there was a focus with Mayor Guardian and Lieutenant Colonel Tom Gilbert. But what happens, you, you know, you, you change people and Tom retired and 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 Don uh, was defeated, and 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 then th- there became a a different philosophy of governance. Well, everybody's on board now, and I agree with what the prosecutor said a little while ago. When people see that this is something that's going to continue, and the camaraderie is there between agencies and different governmental uh, entities, that prosecutor Reynolds, that's the secret sauce: is everybody being together and responsive and on the same page and committed to the result and you can make it happen amen harry and uh you know some of the terms that we like to use is there's a line of effort and great synergy right so we are working together to achieve a common goal which is good for everybody it's good for public safety it's good for public health it's good for business for the casinos. It's good for the residents that live in Atlantic City. It's good for the workers that work in Atlantic City. And it's good for the visitors that visit Atlantic City, right? It's a positive for everybody. 
Harry, I want to I want to segue off your last question. You said, you know, what are you doing to put in place so that this is sustainable? Yep. So not only are we putting in that, not only are we putting in the uh, the seven day a week mobile outreach for the at risk population, but we're also putting in a mechanism with the assistance of CREDA with AC Public Works, AC Electric, and Calvi Electric, with our office being involved and and uh, former Senator Chris Brown integrally involved of making sure not only that the lights are being fixed, repaired, and a standard is set for what the fixtures are, what the poles are, but a geomapping system where AC Electric's geomapping and AC uh, you know, municipal government's uh, system is overlapping so that if a light goes out, a work order is generated and the light is repaired so we don't run into this problem in the future, right? So that's the governor's office and DCA investing heavily through CREDA to make sure that the lights are on and working. We fixed over 600 lights with another 362 in the queue, and we have another meeting this week coming up or next week coming up that's going to give status on those lights. So, again, putting a system in place that so this issue does not happen again in the future, but that's synergy and line of effort. So awesome to see, uh, you know, when you get a lot of people in the room that are that are rowing in the same direction, right? Not to use a crew or a lifeguard analogy, we're all rowing in the same direction, the same speed, and it's nice to be part of. I love it, uh, and I'm I'm so jazzed up about it because it's great that an effort is done once, but if everybody sees that now everybody's looking in a different direction, it goes right back to how it was, and that's not going to be permitted because the commitment is there. It's terrific. Uh, I always try to remember to remember to ask you about this. Um, at this stage of your tenure as Atlanta County Prosecutor, give us a little um, State of the uh, Department update. How are things going? So, Harry, things are going extremely well. We've had two major uh, verdicts, guilty verdicts on all counts. One was a homicide trial that the verdict came in this week. And a few weeks back, there was a human trafficking case uh, where the defendant was found guilty on all counts of human trafficking as well as promoting prostitution. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, when you see these guys who are really bad guys getting, getting uh, you know, 20 years plus or 20 to life uh, prison sentences for, for crimes they committed here, and they're taking it to trial and we're getting guilty verdicts, uh, extremely, extremely grateful for the efforts by the staff. And that includes the attorneys who are trying the cases, the detectives who are doing the, the investigation, and the detectives who are doing the trial prep. It is a team effort, including victim witness advocates who are, who are uh, being involved with the victims and the victim survivors. So it is a full team effort, and they are just two examples of the great work that we're doing. And then the other thing, and to, to piggyback on what you talked about, you know, preventing crime, we have three initiatives that we're working on this spring, uh, one with the FBI concerning elder fraud and making the public and our, our elderly citizens aware of the scams that are out there, and that's educating them to avoid them from being defrauded by really bad people. That's one. Two is Internet awareness and social media awareness for children in middle school and high school and the trials and tribulations and dangers, right? And then the third thing is going into prom season, we're going to do a um, – a drunk driving, distracted driving prevention program at all the high schools, right? And that, that's our focus for outside of Atlantic City is to try to prevent crime, you know, protect our children, protect our elderly, and uh, the kids who, who could make, you know, a great night, their prom night into a really bad day or bad night. We're, we are going to try to do everything in our power to prevent that, and we're putting those programs together. Uh, in fact, the elder fraud, we did one in Longport, one in uh, Linwood, and uh, we got one coming up in Galloway, and there was one in Brigantine right when I started, and that's in conjunction with the FBI. So 
it's uh, it's amazing when you get a lot of people you know, talking and willing to jump in. And there's a lot of talented people in our office. And when we raise an issue, we get volunteers and then they go out and help educate the public to prevent future crime. You said it perfectly, Harry. You know, we would rather not have to solve crime. We'd rather prevent it. And that goes right back to clearing out the homeless, getting the lights turned on and educating our elderly and our, and our, and our young citizens. Yeah, so. I think it's, I think it's great. If I could stretch you one minute or so, whatever it takes you to answer this, because it's not an easy question. But I think it's a really good question for listeners to get a um, just a feel for you, your management style. Here's what I know about human nature. Change is something that most humans do not like. They know what they have now, and change is something that people are afraid of or apprehensive about at least, and it's it's tough. You, you've been a change agent, but at the same time, you've gotten the buy-in of your team. As we know in life, I'm not even just saying in a paramilitary organization or any type of company structure, change and having the team embrace change is not easy. What has been the approach that you've taken that you have gotten the buy-in of your team? So in my humble opinion, uh, leaders allow other leaders to shine. Right? You don't create followers, create other leaders. And what we're doing is we're finding lanes in public safety and in law enforcement and law you know, uh, prosecution, as well as community engagement. We're finding lanes in all of those areas for people in the office to go be leaders. And when you allow people to pursue something that they're passionate about and they become a leader on that issue, that topic, like a veterans response team, we have two two uh you know reservists who were former active military who now head up our veterans response team and crisis intervention training and they go out and when there are there are situations with veterans being involved in in law enforcement and engaging with law enforcement our veterans response team go out and serve as a conduit between them using that as an example harry giving people the opportunity to lead and pursue things they're passionate about that's how you get the buy-in, and it's awesome to watch. I love it. Awesome. Uh, really enjoyed our visit today, Prosecutor. I appreciate the time and the ability to share with you and your listeners all the great things that we're working on, and uh, it is truly, truly a pleasure and humbling to be actually able to do these things for the city, you know, the city and the county where you know we're born and raised, and where I'm raising my kids, and I want my kids to raise their kids. Right? Very, so yeah, it's awesome. Very informative. Uh, until next time, good to talk to you, Prosecutor. Thanks, Eric. You're welcome. Thirty-two minutes past the hour. We're going to be right back, as promised. It's wide open forum now. Until kill me, so we've got plenty of time. I hope you'll call me right now at 609-407-1450 on the Hurley in the Morning program on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Our featured guest and keynote speaker on Friday, September 29th at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City at the annual, it'll be the 15th annual Hurley in the Morning charity dinner will be none other than my friend Brian Kilmeade, who you'll hear from right now. Coming up on the next edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show, Wall Street Journal's Brett Forrest been following Russia's war in Ukraine since the beginning. I got to get his take. You know me, Park, the North Korean defector. You might have seen me on TV with her. She'll be here to talk about the scary similarities between North Korea and Colombia and our school system. All that coming up on the Friday edition of Brian Kilmeade Show. Be there. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5.
Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me today at 3, but now back to Hurley in the Morning right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you, Sean. Back to your calls, 609-407-1450. Open phone lines. Hope you'll check in. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Harry. How are you doing? Very well. I feel like you and I have not spoken in a while. Uh, a lot of things. Just been very busy and all. Okay. But um, Good. I'll tell you something. You know, First of all, I have nothing against Rihanna. She's a very talented performer. But, you know, I don't agree with this black um, national anthem deal. I mean, there's only one national anthem I recognize, and I believe no matter what color you are, creed or whatever, um, the national anthem goes for all. Yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. A lot of people feel that way. I think it should be a very special song, but we do only have one anthem because we are one nation. So that is very important. I agree with that. Rihanna, though, she didn't have anything to do with the um, the song that you're mentioning, though. She was the the headliner entertainment at the Super Bowl, but that was a performance that was uh, prior to her. Yes, but the um, she's going to be singing at the Academy Awards. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. It's just a coincidence you, you can understand why I defaulted back to the Super Bowl. Uh, and now that you mentioned that, I do remember hearing that. Look, there, there, is, there is a desire uh, to really put emphasis on people that in the past have been discriminated against and, and all of that. It's, you know, I, I really do, you know, have a great deal of empathy and understanding about why a lot of this happens. It turns some people off. Uh, as long as no one tries to say that we as a nation have two national anthems, because after all, that would be dividing the country. That's exactly what we're not supposed to do. You know, I have no problem with a special song for a special group, uh, anything about that. But I can't recognize anything as a co-national anthem or anything like that. Uh, and. I just don't know if that's enough for some people that want more. But why would we why would we want to divide and fragment? What 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 gain is there from that? I, I say let's respect everyone. Uh, but there are certain things like the national anthem that should only be just one. And I would I want to say, can't we can't we agree with that? But the the fact remains, we can't. Because there are there is a faction of the population, uh, some that actually hate America uh, and, and undermine America at every turn, work against our own American interests, vital in- interests. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I'm I'm watching all this, too, Peter. I, I know what you're saying. And I just thought you should know I sent you a email concerning uh, Pappy Boynton. uh who was uh, leader of the Black Sheep Squadron, and basically the sto- the, st- the feature is about his uh, alma mater. Alma mater is refusing to honor him, and they'll make interesting reading. All right, I'll check it out. What's a, what's a real quick cliff notes of why is he being denied? What's his what is his crime? Well, 
first first of all, they bring bring up the fact. First of all, they they, they rule out of his service for this country for America during World War II, but they're leaning on the fact that he took he killed people during World War II, and these are people who have no idea of history or anything else. Well, you'll read the uh, article, and if you want. It'll be very interesting for a show and or to bring something up, you know, for for conversation. Okay, absolutely, Peter. Well, have a blessed day. You do the same, my friend. See ya. Six zero nine four zero seven fourteen fifty and open phone line. I know that uh, Atlanta City Councilman George Tibbet is uh, checking in shortly, so we're going to go to him when he arrives and take your phone calls at six zero nine. Four zero seven fourteen fifty, and I know that the council president has been waiting. Councilman Tibbet, welcome to Hurley in the morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Harry. How are you today? Very well. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, no, I just uh, wanted to take a minute. I was listening to uh, our prosecutor Will Reynolds and compliment him on, you know, all the work he's doing in Atlantic City. Um, it, it, it's a it's a really tough job. And what he has done to assemble the amount of people in different organizations, it, it's a great help. And the reason I call in to say that is because in past conversations, people seem to think that me and the prosecutor don't see eye to eye, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. I actually uh, welcome him and uh, praise him for the work that he does, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and doing that stuff because he's there. And, and, and by the way, not that you need anybody to pick up you know, for you because you know there's no – aisle six cleanup required if there was anything that even was misconstrued as a split decision or a disagreement your philosophy as council president or the councilman at large was to resolve the problem not not bring food and clothing and you know uh socks and and all this other stuff water and and you know the um the the bags and all that because that would encourage encampments, houses under the boardwalk, and all that to continue. It was your desire for the problem to actually be fixed, people to actually get help, and to clean up under the boardwalk so we don't have boardwalk fires. And, let, and let's be candid, that's not a healthy environment. You're dealing with the, the very harsh conditions of when it's very cold. We're, we've been fortunate this winter that there's only been a handful of, of days where it's been code blue. But uh, it's still harsh in the winter, and you tell anybody it's been a mild winter. Not if you live outside, it's not. It's very cold. Uh, even 50 is not warm when you are out there 24-7. So really fixing the problem, and I, George, I will tell you, I have about 10 pictures right now in my H phone, and it is, as far as the eye can see, every all the structures and everything that was under the boardwalk, George, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, you know, very hard work, and unfortunately, it's something just like the prosecutor, you know, Mr. Reynolds said, Prosecutor Reynolds said, it's something that you have to stay on nonstop, and it's an incredible amount of manpower and dollars to pay this manpower to continuously do this. And and Harry, it's not unique to Atlantic City. We are in a national epidemic. With drugs, especially fentanyl, and now this horse tranquilizer that you see going out there that they're mixing with the fentanyl and yeah. the heroin. You know, it, it, it's a national problem. We are in a silent war where our borders, they're bringing in so much drugs over our borders, and it's killing 
everybody's children, and it doesn't care if you're rich, poor, black, white, Spanish. You, you know, it doesn't care. It's all about making money, and it's a terrible job and a hard, hard job to have to deal with seeing this hardship every day. I'm sure it wears on you and these and these all of our people in public safety you know to have to at some point in their lives also there has to be some happiness and see some great endings to the story because it does I, i've seen it in the past where it wears on you where i think george where i think it's also very positive those just joining us it's atlantic city councilman george tibbet is with the prosecutor and the buy-in at that level the atlantic city police department the buy-in there the atlanta county sheriff with the uh the hope one uh mobile outreach that they're doing with um, Jewish Family Services, with churches, with the Atlantic City Public Works bought into this. I think I said Atlantic City Police. If I didn't, I meant to early. Atlantic City Police Department. So when you have everybody buying in that if you stay on top of it, it, it can't get rebuilt because everyone will see that this is not your home anymore. We want to get you help if you need some type of behavioral help if you have a assistance a, a, a substance rather problem uh drugs or alcohol or anything else uh mental health whatever uh getting folks the help that they need uh is the answer the only thing i ever heard you say was bringing people stuff to keep them where they are under the boardwalk where we had two fires in two days a couple of weeks back isn't the answer i don't think there was anything wrong with that comment Oh no, and I stand by that. I stand yeah. by that one thousand percent. Um we have we have uh, specialized places for people with help and uh that need help, um whether they're suffering from mental illness or the disease of addiction. Um, you know, we, we have places for help and it's very important that we get them to those places and not for instance, under the boardwalk, especially under the boardwalk, there's many other places where they could do harm to themselves or others out there. Hey, by, by the way, before we go, because I have to go in like a minute, I've got to get the final break in. Then we're going to take some more phone calls to run, to, to close out today's very eventful uh, edition of the Hurley in the Morning program. Let me ask you, is there still an Atlantic City councilman that you believe does not live in Atlantic City that's casting, in many cases, d- d- decisive votes on some very key things? Is this still going on, councilman? As of your favorite twin and myself, um you know, we keep an eye on things, and I could tell you with a 100% certainty he don't live in Atlantic City. When is, the, when is that going to matter? How, corru- how corrupt are, are these things? When will that matter, Councilman? It cer- by the way, it oh. certainly did on the Board of Education when the board solicitor couldn't wait uh, to say that a, a duly elected member didn't live in the city and can't vote because they didn't want John Devlin to be the uh, – the council president. Hey, by the way, uh, you already know what's happening because of the removal on the the municipal utilities authority. What do you think about this this outrageous act of more than forty thousand dollars being appropriated up to that amount uh, to try to get Devlin again this time to try to get his board seat? I mean, George, your town is whacked right now politically. Well, well Harry, I even I have to be careful everything I say because. Um, what you what you exposed on your show the other day is absolutely true that they're using our taxpayer money to pile all kinds of stuff against people, and then you have to dig into your pocket 
to afford an attorney to fight an endless pit of money being paid for attorneys to drag you through the mud. And they and they get the fun of screwing with you and and also paying their friends money. This is this is this is sick. Yeah, and that's where you know you, you know what is the answer. Well, yeah. the an- the answer is Jack Chitterelli is governor and an attorney general that will prosecute political crime. That's the answer. This is all being overlooked right now. The the lieutenant governor is overlooking it. Uh, you know, nothing to see here. And for the for the short time that this is going to continue to go on, they think that they have carte blanche to be able to behave like this. Uh, it will be this will be adjusted, and people will be held to account. I, I have to tell you, I think that Devlin's lawsuit against the city and certain individuals is go- going to be massive. Well, Harry, I'm not going to speak on that because I'll have to pay about $75,000 to hire my own yeah. personal attorney for when they bring some bogus charges against me. But if you, when you look at you live in a state where you had a legislation that in the past attempted to pass law that you couldn't go to the University of Penn or Children's Hospital with you, with your uh, children, and when you had a legislation that tried to pass state law, well, wait, look at what just happened in Ocean City. If the people, the owners of the land, we the people, say no to something as far as the BPU goes with those lines coming in, and if you have government that could just override you, well, then you're not a democracy no more. No. You become, you know, we're standing next to Russia and yeah. China. You do what you're told, when you're told, and you like it. If the people vote no, it's no. And we're getting away from the values that made this country the greatest, what our forefathers did in the Constitution, and the way things were written on purpose so that stuff like this wouldn't happen. And you see it happening, Harry. And the scary thing is, is like nobody's scared physically of these mutts in Atlantic City. What they're afraid of is the financial ruins, whether it be somebody's job in a school board or something else that's related, whether it's uh, they file bogus chart, uh, complaints against you and try and sue you. And uh, Could you imagine winning a case and having to pay $75,000 to win it? Yeah. I don't feel like a winner. No, no, not at all. And, of course, that, that, but that's why they have to be held accountable personally, just like a certain former police chief, Willie Glass, took a bite out of this guy's ass and it was a lot of money uh you can be found personally liable for damages when you go beyond the color of your office and i believe they've done that i believe the evidence exists that marty small led a cabal to get uh, john devlin and that this continues now with this educate board of education version of it john devlin is going to score big time. And what I would hope that there would be a list of attorneys out there that would be willing to take cases of citizens and and maybe even officials who are being retaliated against by political criminals so that they will stop. They're going to get hit so hard that they will stop. And then you hope they get hit hard at the ballot box and they get their asses thrown out. That's what we need. Councilman, I've got to get the last break in. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Yep. Good to talk to you. Lexi Councilman George Tibbet, when we come back, more of your phone calls. You've waited the longest. You get to go next. 609-407-1450, an open phone line. This is Early in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app.
WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. Full disclosure, I almost give no time at all to any of these celebrity-type trials. It's probably the wrong word because this guy Murdoch, and I've heard it pronounced Murdoch. Uh, it's weird. The, the, in the same trial, the, I've heard it pronounced different ways. Like they don't even know how to say his name. But I, if I look at it, it looks like Murdoch to me. But I've heard Murdoch. So anyhow, this guy is—he is a piece of work. I got to tell you, if I was on that jury, I don't. I, I mean, he has confessed to so many crimes that I can't even count. Stealing from all his associates, uh, admitting he lied about his whereabouts, even in this particular case. I mean, when this ends, even if he's acquitted, they're going to be charging him with I mean, he's he's confessed under oath. Uh, and it was pretty amazing because I watched some of this yesterday and the prosecutor was going very easy on him before lunchtime. After lunch, I remember saying to uh, some people that I was with, I said, get ready. This guy's going to regroup and he's coming. He's going to come out swinging after lunch. And, uh, and it was so predictable because what he was doing in the beginning was terrible. It was not effective at all. Uh, and in fairness, maybe he knew how long he had and was just, you know, do, building a mosaic or something. But this trial was fascinating. I've never seen anybody like this guy. He's a lawyer. But if you didn't know he was a lawyer, he doesn't act like a lawyer. Except occasionally, like once when he said he would not intentionally hurt his wife and son. And I caught that and I thought, wow, that was weird to say. Why would you say it that way? You just say, I didn't kill my wife. I didn't kill my son. He said, I wouldn't intentionally. So did you unintentionally? I mean, it's crazy. And then, of course, he's he's confessed to 10 crimes, maybe more. Very weird. So I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but... You know, the, the remember, jurors, when you lie, they're then allowed to count everything like you are just a liar. That's that's allowed. And he's I don't know how this is going to end for this guy, even if he gets past the murders where I think the prosecution hasn't done a great job, but they don't have a gun. They don't have a lot of things that you need. So there's craziness going on in this trial. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. What say you, boss? What's going uh, on? It's Friday, and the clock is about to strike 10, which means six minutes to uh, kill Mead. Okay, yeah. I was wondering if I can go off the political and legal topic with you here for a minute. Yeah, it's open forum. Just yeah. a little sport. Yeah, sure. Um. Now, football's over. I, you know, I'm not a fan of the NBA anymore. I, I'm really not. Okay, and here's why: uh, all these players jump teams like they're hot potatoes. Okay, they just go. Look at what happened to the Brooklyn Nets. Look, I mean. What I'm very interested to hear your opinion on this. 
You remember the days of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Julius Irving? You remember those days? Well, yeah, you, you just you just answered for me. I'm not going to have when you're done. I'm not going to have to answer because I haven't liked the NBA since that era. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, it you know it, it was fantastic. Uh, this version of the NBA, I, I it's it's unwatchable basically. You don't know who's playing for who anymore. You got it's almost like a like a like a like a flow chart. You got to you know, but in them days, Julius Irving and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, they were rivals. Yeah, they fought, but they stayed with their team. You know what I mean? They they were they were loyal. I will say though, Matt, part of that is not just unique though. Uh, players doing a whole career like Derek Jeter, you know, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. Babe Ruth, even though Babe Ruth was with Boston, probably a bad example, but most of it with the Yankees. Uh, it's in baseball. It's in football. Think about how even Joe Montana, the great Joe Montana, the great Tom Brady. Uh, the, you had a great point, but it it isn't just the NBA. It is it is the nature. I also think it's societal evolution. There's very little loyalty left in our society. It's very unusual. You know, I, I, I never lose sight of the fact that it's been 31 years and I sign on the same station that I signed on 31 years ago. You're, I don't think you're ever going to see that again. I'm not saying it's unique just to say it about me. It's just there's not loyalty anymore. There's not the, just not the ability for that to occur very much anymore. Uh so where you see it, I was very happy, and and the um, Giants made such a run, Adam, and I don't know how close they came, but I was so happy to see that Aaron Judge signed what should make him uh, an entire Yankee for his you know entire baseball career. You're not going to see that much anymore. Well, here, here's what I'm saying. I mean, I I I heard Adam Schefter on ESPN. They're going to sign. They're going to give uh, Daniel Jones from the Giants forty million a year, and they're going to put it on five years. All right. So then, what does what does Jalen Hurts get? Because uh, he wiped up the floor with that guy. I mean, uh, I, I said, who was it yesterday? I said it to a bunch of people. Is J- is Jalen Hurts north of fifty million? He's definitely going to be over forty five million. But will he hit $50 million a year? I think he might. Let me tell you something. Daniel Jones, that was a great gift to Jalen Hurts because Daniel Jones is in training pants compared to the quarterback. And I'm not trying to be you know nasty or a wise guy, but come on. You know, I, I, he, he was all puffed up, uh, you know, and then he got smoked. Uh, I think that's a ridiculous amount of money to pay him. Yeah. Yeah, but Harry, he's got no receivers. He's got nothing. Well, he's okay. Saquon Barkley, that's what he's got. Yeah, I know. I know. Tom Brady's been in that situation before and still finds a way to win. Uh, I hear what you're saying, but he's not – I don't think he's a $40 million man. Jalen Hurts, though, is a $50 million man. I would just say, Jalen, we want you to be an eagle for life, $50 million a year, more guaranteed money. Because here's what people don't realize, Matt – like Mike Trout signed that deal, $365 million. It's like a $35 million a year deal plus a $2 million signing bonus. I think I have that exactly right. I don't even know why I remember it. Uh, but his money 
is 100%. If he stops and he's got the, the back issue that is a serious issue, if his career is, is abruptly ended before it should be, his entire contract is paid. Football, now I understand, you know, you look at football as a, a full contact sport and the injuries, you know, make it that careers cut short. Uh, but, for example, uh, one of these massive quarterback contracts, Mahomes, for example, Mahomes, not even, I think, barely half of his contract is guaranteed. So you think they have these deals that are just fantastical, but they're not. In football, you you get maybe a half or less. Uh, so when they report this amazing deal, 45, 50 million a year, the only number you need to look at is the bonus that they can give because you can make that work with salary cap in your favor. Look at the bonus and look at the guaranteed money because the rest of it could be gone if you stop playing as well or you get hurt. Boom. Guaranteed money. That's all you get. So that's why I'm all for Jalen Hurts getting as much per season as he can. And I think he's going to get a record in the history of the NFL for guaranteed money. We'll see if I'm right.